Long were the withering years, and great the miseries that the Sylvaneth endured. Their endless song grew mournful, and much was lost that could never be replaced. Rot blight took the spire of emerald dreams. The city of Franz was burned to ash. Crawling things wormed through the pristine heart and brought dreaming Liliander to ruin. But every waning has its bloom. Every death brings life anew. The cycle turns and turns again and hope springs up once more. From amidst the bloody loam of war it grew, a seed of power beyond belief. By magic it had been purified. By the lives of beloved ones it had been saved. By the hand of a champion it had been sown. And now in the darkest hour, that seed became a goddess. Alariel was reborn and her children rejoiced. No bitter and waning thing was she, but a goddess of war, full-formed and in the height of her powers. With her coming, the spirit's song swelled. Harmonies rose and twined like the branches of some mighty tree. It was a song of vengeance, a song of rebirth, a song of rage. It was a song of war, and from its spiraling chorus, the sylvaneth drew strength. All across the mortal realms, the Sylvaneth raised their heads. New life filled them, and with it, new purpose. Shimmering life motes lit the soul pod glades. The thrum of fierce joy and vengeful anger filled Alariel's children. They would be victims no more. Now the Wildwoods would be roused to wrath. Now the invaders would be driven out and the lands cleansed of taint. Now the Sylvaneth would rise again. Welcome to the garage, you tools. For the next few hours, I'll be doing the best I can to share with you my love of tabletop wargaming and probably some of my various other fandoms. Bringing you Soul Pods, Sons of Durthu, and the seething anger of Valerial Reborn, I'm David Whitek, and tonight I am here with none other than number one son, Harrison Whitek. Harrison. That's me. That's, <laughs> that's him. Thanks for coming on, boy. Thanks for letting me come downstairs. <laughs> All right, folks. So um, today is July 2nd, and today the Battle Order Battle Tome Sylvaneth, and I believe the Realm Gates book, uh, All Gates, the campaign book, are up for pre-order, as well as the General's Handbook. Um, Games Workshop was kind enough to <laughs> send us an advanced copy of Order Battle Tome Sylvaneth. Oh, yes, they were. <laughs> and um, Harrison and I have been reading this book and looking through this book, and, uh, you know, I I'm glad we have some dryads left that we didn't sell them all because... Because there was a lot of shrieking. <laughs> uh, Harrison's back in, folks. I think he's back. Uh, a lot of people have been asking when Harrison's going to come back in the game, and he's here sometimes. And you know, you see him popping on and out of the show, and people keep asking if he's back. And and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thinking he's back. <sighs> yes, I did. Yes, oh I my, did. No, please. I did. I just. I just. I just took John Wick and 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 
twisted it to my own you purposes. You best hope they don't sue you. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. I, um, so we were told we could put this out once the pre-order date hit. So Harrison and I went through the book and um, are recording the day before the pre-order hits. Yep. So I got a, I got a lot of work to get ahead of this tonight. But um, wow, we are going to bring you the lowdown on this Sylvaneth goodness, and let me tell you what. Sylvaneth goodness, aptly named father. <laughs> yes, this this book is great. Um, I didn't haven't had a chance to do the uh, the flesh eaters book, the one with all the ghouls and stuff. Um, but if you've heard some of the other casts, especially um, one of the more fun ones that I've I've heard was, um, and I know Harrison, you haven't listened to it because it's not it's not kid friendly, but Lost Lighthouse. Um, they did a, they did a really fun bit of coverage on it. They're not the only ones. A lot of a lot of cats did it, but they were the latest one I listened to that covered it. Um, they just made me laugh a lot covering it. But have you even looked at that book yet, Harrison? Nope. Oh, okay. Just quick recap for anyone who doesn't know. It's all the ghouls and the ghoul kings and that stuff. Um, oh the, yeah, I know. I knew what it was. I they're completely delusional. They don't see themselves as ghouls wielding bones and 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 feeding off the dead. Um, they picture themselves as noble warriors and see themselves like they literally see themselves like they're when they look like they're like like visual hallucinations. They see themselves as these noble great warriors fighting for things, and they don't see themselves as these ugly monsters, but as these noble warriors. When Nagash shows up, he's seen as this glowing golden god. That and that's kind of weird. Yeah, and they they think of themselves as brave noble fighters for their cause, like. It's almost as if you took all of Bretonia and killed all the peasants and made them ghouls, and it's like, picture that sort of, like, that Bretonian sort of... That's really weird. It's a really cool book. Like, the fluff is really cool. Um, and then Harrison and I were reading this Sylvaneth battle tome, and... Uh, it, oh, boy. Yeah, it's it's it, it's it's some got some really interesting stuff in there. It's not as off the wall as the Flesh Eaters, but this book is tip top. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, let's start with some of the artwork in here. Um, you know, when when the uh, you know what? No, actually, we can't even get in. Let's 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 keep let's. Let, uh, wow, we're I'm, we're so excited. We're getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Yes, we are. Just a little bit. All right. Uh, listen, we need to uh, thank the sponsors of the show before we do anything else. So let's do that. All right, so the sponsors of Garage Hammer are Unique Gifts and Games. In Grays Lake, Illinois. Mersha Miniatures. That's M-I-E-R-C-E, Mersha-miniatures.com. The T.C. Warham in Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. For everything you need in MDF. And Battle Foam, protecting your... Would you like to do it? It's not highlighted. Would you like to do it? No. Army. All right. All right. So listen, um, we are going to jump into this uh, this battle tome. We are going to be skipping the usual segments. Uh, we may be skipping them for a couple of episodes as we've got a lot of cool things uh, so we want to bring things. you. Um, but we did get a lot of... I want to just quick cover a few things here before we hit our first break. Uh, lots of friendly emails and some nice voicemails as well, and I will try to get to those um, soon, if not uh, this next episode, then soon. Um, I just I don't know how long this episode is going to take, and uh, we really want to jump into this book coverage. 
Um, so we're jumping into this. Uh, first, Total War Warhammer is still awesome, and I still don't play oh, very well. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> and I play better than you. Ha, ha, ha. You do. It's so good. You do. You play much better than I do. Uh, if you haven't gotten yourself a copy, you should do so. Vampires um, are good. You should play as them. Yeah, it's a good game. Uh, check out the forums on garagehammer.net. Go to garagehammer.net, click the forum button, join us. Um, we'd love to have you uh, join the forums. If you join, feel free to just drop me an email at either garagehammer at live.com or david at garagehammer.net and just uh, you toss me your username. I get a ton of weird people who just want to throw spam email up there. So I have to approve you first. Uh, we we tried with the other the other the old method on the forum used to work, and for some reason it doesn't now. And we get a lot of weird Eastern European spammers. And I only know that they're Eastern European spammers because of the email addresses are like coming from Russia and stuff like that. Pretty much as far Eastern Europe as you can go. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so we have to do that. Also, don't forget TGA.community. That's the Grand Alliance.community that Ben Curry set up. Um, it's everything that the Garage Hammer forums wanted to be, only it's it's only Curry does it better because... Because he's Curry? Yeah, I know. I'm, I, sometimes, I, sometimes I hate that guy. It's just jealousy, though. Um, <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, but it's good. I mean, it's all there. So Let's hope he doesn't listen to this. Oh, he, he doesn't. Um, let's see. Sylvaneth is up for pre-order as well as All Gates. That's the fourth campaign book for the Realm Gate Wars. And the General's Handbook should be up today, too. Gate, uh, all Gates and Sylvaneth should be coming out July 9th, a week from today. Well, on the day of the release, at least. General's Handbook comes out on the 23rd. Um, They're putting it up early. Three weeks. That's absolutely madness. Three weeks, giving you time to get your orders in. Um, so that's that's a good thing, though, giving you plenty of time to get your orders in. They're probably speaking expecting of, a hit. Speaking of July 23rd, uh, I'm running another one-day event at Unique Gifts and Games on July 23rd. <laughs> in Grays Lake, Illinois. In Grays Lake, Illinois. It's going to be a ton of fun. There are only 12 spots available, so please give them a call if you're around here at 847-548-8270 and reserve your spot today. And while you're doing that, uh, while you get them on the phone, uh, put your name in and pre-order your copy of the General's Handbook so that while you were there that day playing, you can pick up your copy on the day of release right there at the game store where you're playing in my little one-day three-round tournament. Uh, please ten- don't read the book while you're playing. That's bad sportsmanship. <laughs> Uh, it's it's ten bucks. Uh, all the info is on the Garage Hammer forums. I will also have links in the show notes. You can find them there and on the episode thread on TGA Community under podcasts under Garage Hammer under episode one forty seven. Sylvaneth, I hope to see you guys there. I'm fairly s- certain this one will sell out. So call and reserve your spots now. Um, very excited. Um, little little bit of info. I believe Steve Herner is going to uh, be there. Uh, I believe he's signed up, and I believe Steve Herner is going to be bringing some of the famous Herner uh, boards for us to play on. The tables will be the Hernsenberg special tables, um, at least a few of them, um, because he's very kind and he knows my tables are mediocre at best. So if you've heard of the Holy Wars GT, the the ridiculously wonderful, beautiful tables, that they use for Holy Wars. Um, he's going to bring some of his tables for us to use. So 
Wow, that's I'm actually really excited about that. That's very cool. So, um, okay, and other than that, if you would like to call and leave us a voicemail, we love getting voicemails, just like I love getting emails from people, even though I don't always have the time to uh, sit down and return emails from everybody. I do read them all. Uh, if you have uh, would like to leave us a voicemail, that's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Uh, international callers in most countries dial 00, then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Uh, we're going to hit our first break right now, and when we come back, we are going to jump right in to Battle Tome Sylvaneth. So we'll be back in a moment, and uh, we hope you're going to enjoy this as much as we're enjoying uh, bringing it to you because it's really good. Because it's really good. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back. Or I'm back. No, really, finish your tweet. Or whatever it is you're doing. I'm talking about JP Stream Rewards, and we're getting 3 plus 297s. Now's a good time to join the Japanese server, Dad. Harrison's talking about Puzzles and Dragons, the dumb game that he got me playing. So It's not dumb. It it's is really dumb, good. But it's fun. So, okay, let's talk about this, this here battle tome. Um, it's very green on the cover. <laughs> When we first looked at some of the um, artwork and some of the uh, the the pictures that dropped for the models, uh, you and I were both a little nervous. Some of the artwork showed weird, like half dry. Artwork was re it was like if like well, they like fused together an elf like torso and a dryad legs it was kind of weird looking yeah and then we but saw they look so good yeah and then we saw the uh the picture of what turns out is the new draika which looks like draika it, it looked like she the, looks angry well it looks like the gray knight uh weird guy like the guy in a, in the in the body armor and she still looks good yeah um we were a little not quite certain what was going on. Like we're like, what is this? What? Why are there no elves? There's no elves in the forest. This is new. Well, I wasn't expecting it when well, they said I this. Was, well, was you haven't been keeping up with the fluff because you haven't been paying much attention. No, I haven't. So no, that's the whole thing. The Sylvaneth has just been literally. Well, up until this point, it was dryads, tree kin, and tree men because. And now there's all sorts of all sorts. 
things. Yeah, because they, yeah, the book has really um, added to them and uh, fleshed them out. So um, I think the artwork in this is is really some great stuff. Um, the pictures of Valerial on the giant beetle spite. Uh, I love the wings are like giant leaves. They look more it's like It's a huge leaves. beetle. That shouldn't be cool, but it is. <laughs> um, tree, tree men and tree men ancients have taken a much larger role in this book. Um, they used to be, you'd see one or two on, on a table. Now they're just like everywhere. Um, and just, I don't know this. I, I, I just, I'm going through it in the artwork. I'm, I'm, I'm really, it's, it's grabbing my attention more than I thought it would. Uh, probably because it's just a lot of giant tree guys with, with, uh, you know, with bows or with swords or with, uh, Sides coming through and cutting things down. Um, the only pictures that are a little bit weird are the outcasts, the ones that were like spite revenants, you know, the half dryads, half spites. Um, those those drawings look a little odd. Other than that, they don't. They look odd, but not bad. Like they're really weird. Like those honey butter potato chips we had. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, thanks for bringing up something nobody who's listening can really relate to, but yeah, that is true. They they don't look bad, they're just bizarre. Yeah, now and the other thing that we that threw us off was the one that literally looked like half elf, half dryads, which we'll get to them later because they get explained. Those guys are pretty cool. I do like the extra maps we get of the realm of life that has been completely Yeah, it looks really cool. I mean, it looks like it's the realm of Nurgle at this point in these in these maps because uh they have just taken over because that's basically so what it much. is yeah well i mean they have they've corrupted so much but now that alarial's back that's going to change and i'm i'm very excited he's gonna kick some face in yes and uh that's with the whole upcoming uh the worldwide campaign that's happening in uh starting july 14th takes place in the realm of life and uh apparently it's you know from what it sounds like our games are going to affect the outcome so Get your armies together, pick your side. Like the old Storm of Chaos. Yeah, except this time it won't be decided by a headbutt. Uh, I'm thinking that... that an headbutt. An headbutt. Um, I'm guessing that, you know, you're picking your, your faction, and they've they've got, instead of just having characters and things, they've got, you know... I'm guessing GW already has things laid out depending on which faction gets, you know, does does best to see how things fall out, fall fall to. Um, so I know you're going to be playing Order if we get any games in. Oh yes, oh uh, yes, I will. I probably will as well, um, unless you're playing at the same time I'm playing, and then I'll have to be playing Death. Yeah, because I won't have any other options. Because Death and Order are the coolest. Which we have come to agree on. Well, but I also do like my uh, Nurgle Chaos stuff, and uh, Orcs is the best. <laughs> yeah, but they're not as fun as I thought they would be. Well, yeah, but they are fun. So, all right, let's jump into this book, though. Let's get into this. All right. Uh, nope, that's not the right page. Flip Battle Tome Sylvaneth, 144 pages of Age of Sigmar goodness. Now, um, there's some interesting stuff here. Sylvaneth, our order, and it says but that here. Only by definition. <laughs> well, 
No, I mean they are, but they, they fight for the Sylvaneth. They are. It just so happens that they coincide with what the Order wants right now. No, it's not, no. They would never go to chaos. They're not forces. They would never fall to forces of destruction. They definitely don't align with the forces of death. They are Order, but they are the guardians of the natural cycles of the mortal realms. So they They're go Order because they can't go anywhere else. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess you could say that. Uh, they are the guardians, like I said, of the natural cycles of the mortal realms, and they will cleanse the land of the things that taint it and have corrupted it. So they are they like are, destruction, chaos, or death. Well, anything that corrupts it at this point. Right now, they're mostly against chaos. But if um, one of the interesting things is, as um, uh, as I was reading, as as they get into some of these battles, is, um, you know. This is one of the things that that people don't quite get them because they'll go in there and, uh, you know, they're they're they're, they're the, you know, the people they're fighting alongside might be like, you know, we need to leave that tower there. It's a it's a good decisive uh, stronghold, and they're like, nope, it's these, forest. Yeah, it needs to be torn down. It's too it's too it's it, it's too close to the soul pod grove. It just needs to be gone, and they'll tear it down anyway. They don't care if it's a good strategic point, strong point for you. Well, they have like the entire forest, so they have they're living in their strategic strong point. Right. So this is sort of their thing. So they are order, and they will fight with order, and they do, and they have, and they have aligned themselves with destruction and and death. But so has other order armies. I mean, they will align. They're very anti chaos, but they are they are order. But they, like I said, it's 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 all about. Following this natural cycle with them of allies. Yes, uh, Nurgle comes to 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 Gyran, and this battle lasts for centuries. Okay, this is where you get sort of a little bit of a recap. Um, they get a toehold in in Gyran and or Giran. I don't know. I think it's Gyran. I don't know. I'm calling it Gyran. I don't care I'm if I'm wrong. I'm Gyran. Um, and they fight with them for centuries. Centuries go by. They keep trying to k- clear them out, and they just can't get them out. Um, the Age of Chaos starts, and this is where Alariel gets cut off from the Sylvaneth in the other realms. The Sylvaneth had moved to the other realms, um, and uh, it's interesting. She gets cut off from the Sylvaneth in the other realms, and many of the human tribes of the Jade Kingdoms stop stop worshiping Alariel in hopes that Nurgle will spare them. So as they're in, actually, the human... Like every horror novel ever. Yeah, they basically go, please don't, you know, we'll... we'll, we'll oh, sure, Cthulhu will save you, whatever. So this is sort of kind of what's going on. Um... And I mean, but that's I mean that that happens in all the different realms. Uh, what I thought was interesting is that um, everywhere they've got this song that Alariel has, and they they can all hear this these songs, uh, this song of war, this song of whatever, the song of growth, and it comes sort of from Alariel, and they can all hear it to some degree or another, no matter where they are in the realm. Um, and then they started spreading to other realms, to 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 spread out and, and to and to and to help keep these these realms you know clean and the natural cycles going. Uh, once they went through the realm gates and went to another realm, they were sort of cut off from that song. 
which is bad. Right. Uh, it's. I mean, they could still create their own songs. It's just they couldn't hear her anymore. Um, so uh, then when the age of chaos comes, they couldn't. she couldn't get to them at all. She couldn't get out of her realm. And with the human tribe sort of abandoning her as well, um, it gets it gets, it gets bad. Um, anybody who's been following along, I know you haven't, Harrison, but anyone who's been following along with the other books, um, the other the other sort of campaign books that have come out, I have a basic idea of what goes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, because yeah, you. I've been telling you because I live here. Not. Yeah. <laughs> so when Sigmar begins the Realmgate Wars. There's only small pockets of resistance that remain in Gyran, and Alariel has uh, withdrawn into that hidden glade in uh, Athelweird. Um, let's see, where is it? Let's see here. Um, yeah, all right, so... Uh, Nurgle had all but claimed Gyran for his own. The last enclaves of Sylvaneth were hidden. The kings and queens of the glades had withdrawn for safety behind veils of sorcery and misdirection. Here and there, fierce war leaders still led the fight against myriad armies of Nurgle and their verminous allies. But for all intents and purposes, the war of life had been lost. Overcome by melancholy, Alario fled to the hidden vale of Athelweird. Concealed from Nurgle's roomy eyes, the fated goddess had chosen defeat. She wished only to brood amidst the echoes of glory's past, giving in to the mercurial nature of her people and becoming more bitter by the day. Blinded by her anguish, Alariel did not know that an old friend was seeking her out. So that's when that's when Sigmar was looking for her. And this Yeah. yeah and it gets good. Yeah, and this—I mean, this all happened in previous books. Anybody who's been following along knows this. He sends the stormcast. The stormcast trudge all the way through. Um, this is where the, only the faithful come, where they're fighting against Nurgle constantly. They finally find their way, and they find her in her hidden glade. Except the Skaven sort of followed them in too, and so that's when Nurgle finds the hidden glade, and they think they've got her, and they've got her destroyed, and that's when she runs. All of these things are going on. Um, uh, she gets mad at them. She's really mad at them for letting them find her last hiding spot. She runs out. She finishes the battle, um, but she's all depressed. She's all sad. And uh, well, I would be too if a giant plague chaos god was trying to kill me. Yeah, and uh, and succeeding nonetheless. Yeah. So. So in the end, the goddess was forced to flee, escaping Athelweird with a ragged band of Sylvaneth and Stormcast Eternals. Alariel angrily blamed the Stormcast for her terrible predicament. Yet in being ousted from her hiding place, the goddess had realized that she still possessed the will to fight. On the heels of this revelation came crushing doubt. What if in her misery, Alariel had left it too late to make a stand? What if she had failed as no mother should? It was this thought that robbed the last of Alariel's strength and saw her transform into a soul pod. Now, if you don't, yeah, this is where she literally, because she transforms into different things, and this is yeah. like her winter aspect, she turned into a giant seed, which the Lady of the Vines, who was like her lieutenant, mm-hmm. um, she actually cut off her own right hand. She literally cuts off her right hand, which then grows into the Lady of the Vines, which is like a branch wraith. Yeah. Yeah, I know that. I, I read this. It's literally her right hand... You know, you call her right hand man. Yeah, 
uh, the Lady of the Vines takes the seed pod, and that's what we were talking about, runs with it. That's when you got the giant, uh, the Jotun, um, Jotunberg, the giant mountain thing, all the cool stuff. The coolest thing ever. That they don't really describe. Uh, that was in the second book. That was in, um, was it the power, what was it? The I forget what the book was called, the second campaign book. But um, that's when they go and they have the huge fight and everyone's losing and all this battle's going on. And um, they actually, I think the Lady of the Vines gets killed. I mean, everybody gets killed. She plants the seed and then she gets killed. And um, it's her blood that's, or her blood sap that sort of feeds Alarial again. And then that's when the Celestine Prime shows up and saves the day. Yep. And then Alarial comes back reborn as as... Oh boy, as angry. Um, oh, she's very unhappy with everything. Yeah. Um, so these soul pods, and I wasn't certain exactly what they were, and they've got a little description of here. It says that they're like they are the wellspring of life from which all Sylvaneth are born, and in, uh, they are enriched by the spirit of those whose days are done, and they can take any form. Uh, the soul pods are the loves and hopes of Illyrial given form living expressions of her oldest dreams from the days before. The eldest of them grew from those very kernels of thought and live on as an eternal echo of the world that was. Within them lives a deep and abiding magic, a force for good that cleanses the land in which the soul pods grow. Um, I think it's interesting that it kind of goes from some of her memories. I was thinking about this before, and this is one of the things that I was wondering about Um and we'll take a break a little bit after we talk to this, and we'll come back um, with... Uh, we'll, we'll Actually, we'll talk a little bit more about the Lady of Vines, and then we'll get into that. But we were talking uh, about... I think you and I were talking a while ago, because some people were saying, you know, we haven't seen certain races yet. Yeah. And if this is a whole new world, then how are some of these the same things coming here? Like, well, how are the dryads still there? How are these things... Th- still there from the other place and um one of the things that because I said, Alarial. well no, i don't think it's just because of Alarial though because in other realms it's the same thing like you know we've still got a lot of like the stuff in nagash's realm looks like stuff from the the world that was you know the warhammer because world. he's nagash well and that's the thing when the world that was was destroyed when you have that much power i don't think it really matters but it's not just i'm, I'm not just talking about Alarial and nagash I'm talking about all eight of the winds of magic. And the end times, they were all attached to someone from the Warhammer world. Yeah. And they all seem to have sort of gone over to this world. And if they're the embodiment of it, then their memories, their ideas would help shape that sort of wind of magic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you know, it, it's sort of sort of formed in their image if they're the god of it. Mm-hmm. And so you get these ideas. In fact, that's what we're going to see later as the... Um, who are the dudes? The... Um, the outcast, the tree revenants. Oh. The tree revenants are the ones that have that look uh, like half that elves. Look like the, they look like elves, and they actually mentioned they they have this weird appearance that looks something like this. You know, like like the whispered legends of the people who used to be protectors of the of the trees back in the world that was. This is all stuff that you straight know, from the wood elves, right? And it's it, it's it's a cool thing, and I, I think you're going to see this more um, as I was. Uh, reading some other stuff, you're talking about how certain races have already been found, certain haven't yet, and how they're you know they're so it's it's 
I think a lot of what we're seeing here, these weird changes are just this sort of after a long time, you're seeing these guys who came over from the Warhammer world mm-hmm. in this God form, creating the world sort of in this sort of half remembered in their own image. Yeah. It was years and years later too. I mean, it's thousands of years later. Heck, uh, you know, what's it, you know, uh, Sigmar was behind the gates of Azir for 500 years. Yeah. And there were thousands of years. I mean, he was, you know, before he went behind the gates of Azir, he fought against them with with their collaboration for hundreds of years. And there were thousands of years before that when he was just wandering and looking and just getting there. So, you know, all that time passed, you know, that even your memories change and and fade and twist. So you've got these differences now. Different. Which is which is you know which is why I accept a lot of the similarities that you know, they're, but, but not, not quite the, the same. same exactly. So we had had that discussion. I just thought it was an interesting thing to bring up when they're mentioning it here. Um, so then we get to this part going across the frozen ocean, which you just mentioned. So Alariel turns into this soul pod. Nurgle has so much of the realm, uh, and that was one of the things that I didn't realize when I was reading the the large book. Uh, oh, balance of power. That was it. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 um, yeah. That Nurgle controlled so much of the realm of life that even burying her to grow again as a soul pod, he had tainted so much of the land that she could have come back tainted or not had the power to come back at all because there might not have been enough power in the realm of life. It could have been very bad. Yes. So once again, the Jotunberg, the living winter, the giant walking mountain comes to her aid. I'd like to see more about those things. Yeah, you just talk about the thing that brings the winter and it's a giant mountain like it was taken from the Hobbit, but yeah, you don't elaborate on it. It's a, it's it's it's, it's a giant mountain. Uh, now, and which is cool because you know higher up it's colder. That's where the winter winds come from. The, the you know the spring the spring you know as it gets warmer and the some of the snow melts up there. You get the spring rivers and yeah. the water comes. I mean, it's the idea that the winter comes from there was kind of a cool concept. Whoever thought that up was it was really clever. But then the mountain gets up and starts walking across, and when it crashes into the 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 sea, it like freezes up most of it because it's it's the embodiment of winter itself. I'm like, really? I want to know more about that. Like, I don't necessarily need a giant model of a mountain to play or anything, but I want but, to know. But, but you do. <laughs> you need that. <laughs> but I want to know. Giant walking mountain. I want to know more. Um. Yeah, and then, so, then they talk a little bit more here about, there's a little bit about the Lady of the Vines. Literally and figuratively, her right hand, her seneschal, her first maiden, um, born during the full bloom. Oh, okay. So the the Lady of the Vines is back, apparently. Um, she just kind of came back. Well, no. When Ilariel is reborn. Um, oh, the, oh, that's not. Uh, I'm sorry. That hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I'm sorry. But she was uh, she was born during the full bloom of Ilariel's war aspect. Okay. Um, so she comes in and. Um, you know, Illyrio has this thing, and she's always there. She's always faithful. She trusts her completely, and she well, should. She she's was literally made out of her hand. Exactly. Um, which is nice if you can make something like that. You know, it's just her hand grew back. I mean, just. Yeah, and, if, if my hand could grow back and then I could just cut it off and make some, like, faithful servant, I would do that. Sure, why not? A, a mini you? Yeah. Um. 
So they get to the other shore. It's at the Kingdom of Blackstone, and they take the Path of the Purified. Um, and they take this Path of the Purified, which is one of these quick, you know, realm passages that they go through. Yeah. Um, these pathways. It's a warp gate. Not well, not really, but uh, you know, like we could call it that, I suppose. But it's called the Path of the Purified, and part of it is they're cleansing any taint from this soul pod. They want to make like the Lady of the Vines has a plan and make sure that Alariel's soul pod is perfectly cleansed before she buries it. She goes through this Path of the Purified, which will which will yeah. won't allow any of that Nurgle taint to go through. Then they fight the battle at Blackstone Summit, and they want to plant. She wants to plant the soul pod among this heroic dead. Because this was one of these huge battles where where all the heroes were were buried, and she wants to bury her here among their blood sap and their and their remains, so that she will come back in a full war aspect. I thought this was kind of cool. Yeah, like where they bury you and like is a, super important to how you come back. Yeah, so the grove that you're pl- but I mean, what that makes sense. The type of dirt, the type of soil you're planted in. Yeah, I mean, you know, mom, your mom. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, plant likes to plant things, and you have to plant things in certain places at certain types of you know certain amounts of sunlight, certain types of soil yeah. for it to grow well. Um, your grandmother, my mom, you know, and and your grandfather, you know, your mom's dad, they both have green thumbs. <laughs> oh, oh boy, yeah, and and touch it and it'll start growing. Yeah, grandpa can just spit seeds on the ground and they grow. Like they, they it makes sh- me feel bad. <laughs> it's just it's frightening. Um but they literally will talk about how where you have to transplant things, what type of dirt you need and this that and the other and they know about all those differences and how certain things will grow better certain places and I love how that's incorporated into the story that where you plant it. Except they totally take it to it to the next level and it's like hey the sort of blood sap that shows up is how you come back hey there was a huge battle here you're going to come back angry well and you want her to come back in her war aspect so that's why she brought her here I mean it's just it's a cool idea I mean some really nicely well written stuff um, but they get there and then they lose the fight lady of the vines cut down and once again this is all the first like 10 pages of the book uh, lady of the vines takes a beating yes and that's when the Celestine Prize arrives, saves the day. Soul Pod is planted in the blood sap of the Lady of the Vines. <laughs> like, it's her. So it's kind of like she's planted in her own blood. Well, no, kinda. the Lady of the Vines is a separate thing, even though but she was grown made from, from her. Well, but Alariel doesn't have blood sap running through her. I mean, she cut off her hand and it grew into the Lady of the Vines, which, but she's, she's a it's separate thing. There's a connection. Thing. Uh, and so the goddess's spirit flowed into the lady, and the change began. So Alariel's spirit brings new life to Gairen, and that new life that's flowing through it, when she suddenly comes out of this funk that allowed Nurgle to grab such a hold, her power, the the realm of life, wants to be part of the realm of life. It doesn't want Nurgle's corruption. And she wants to help the realm itself. Right, so her spirit being new and invigorated and angry just sort of shakes Nurgle's grip on the land loose and starts cleansing it. And then she goes on a crusade. Oh, yes. Um, the the War of Life starts fresh, starts new right here. They reset the scales, they reset the scoreboard, and the Sylvaneth, they're coming in, they're looking, they're looking for revenge at this they point. They are upset. Oh, yeah. So uh, let's take a break. 
And when we come back, we'll jump in with the enclaves of the Sylvaneth. And this is where we'll talk, we'll talk about um, uh, sort of who makes up the, uh, the, the major players in this, in this uh, battle tone. All right, cool. Time flowed ever onwards, racing away from the moment of Valerio's planting like a gushing river. Lives fell like leaves from withered boughs, dancing upon the fetid wind before being swept away. Gyren cracked and crumbled like parched earth in Nurgle's covetous grip. The war of life, once a raging forest fire, was little but embers and ash, smothered by rancid slurry. And yet, a change was coming. Rotting branches stiffened with new life, fresh green leaves unfurling from them. Waters that had long churned with filth ran clear and musical once more. Cool breezes blew from hidden dells, thick with the scent of wildflowers and pine sap. Gradually, the influence of Alarial was felt, a burgeoning of life, a breathless pause before the plunge. And then came the moment of sudden bloom, the queen of the radiant wood was reborn from the land she loved. And as she rose, she sang. All across Gyren, the spirit song swelled, pouring out into every realm, a cascading, tumbling, soaring crescendo of hope, fury, loss, and exhilaration. Alario's children felt their mother's might, even as the servants of Nurgle quailed. Wrongs would be righted, the lands would be healed and places of power would be reclaimed. The war of life would begin anew. The Sylvaneth would have their revenge. Back, 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 back. Yep. All right. Enclaves of the Sylvaneth. In the Age of Myth, Alariel walked the wilds of the realm of life alone. Only when she tired of her solitude did the goddess sow her seeds, which she had recovered from the ruins of the world that was. The race that bloomed from them would become Alariel's most beloved children. So she had some seeds, something from the world that was. I like calling it the world that was. It's better than calling it the old Warhammer world. It's a bit more poetic. Yep. So, she's got these seeds, and I don't know if they're, like, just mentally remembered things or if she literally has seeds. It sort of reminds you a bit of the, uh, when Galadriel gives Sam the one big seed with all the little bit of dirt in the box to plant. Yeah. You know. Um, Except but, that Alariel is way cooler than Galadriel. <laughs> So the Sylvaneth come from seeds from the world that was and from her memories. Okay. So, and, and I think this is interesting. So this is where we, this is what we mentioned. I have, this is where I had it in my note. Do all the avatars of each wind of magic help shape the realm once they arrive? This would explain the similarities. Okay. So we already talked about that. I can skip that part of my notes. Okay. Um, they look like stuff from the world that was because of the seeds and what's in her mind as it forms. Um, 
this doesn't explain everything, though, because Grimnir and Grungeny weren't in the End Times books. Yeah. But, but if they were gods, they would survive, and their children would still retain some semblance of that form, I guess, right? You know, even though... Like being short. <laughs> like being short. All right. All right, so we're at a golden age of, of Gairan. Uh, they're keeping the balance, uh, moving to other realms, but once you're beyond their own gates, they're cut off from the spirit song of their mother. Now, hold on. We've got this this explaining the spirit song. Um, all Sylvaneth hear the spirit song from the first moment of their life. It flows in their thoughts and through their bodies. It echoes from their roots and in the land itself. It's impossible for most non-Sylvaneth to comprehend and can cause terrible pain to those who do so. It is as much emotion and metaphor as harmony. Uh, only the barest edge of this magical phenomenon can be expressed vocally. Uh, the spirit song is what ties the Sylvaneth to those fractured realm roots that remain. The, excuse me. The spirit paths along which the most powerful of their number can travel and allows them to communicate as a race over great distances. It is a vital tool in battle, allowing noble spirits to coordinate their forces, to warn their warriors of danger, and to know their followers' thoughts as though they were their own. So the spirit song, it's almost a bit of a hive mind. That's as what well I was going to say. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very powerful, isn't it? Well, I would hope so. <laughs> um, so this is what we know about the children of Valerio. There's a lot of stuff going on here um in the age of myth oh i like this part the dryads weren't fighters yeah this is really interesting this is fun to read because the dryads were kind of awesome in in the world that oh, was. they were really good they were fun to bring in as fighters the um you know uh they wrecked face in, in certain editions indeed um but in this world they were sort of like uh they were farmers yeah, it was kind of lame. They just they no, they were just peaceful. They took care. They went around taking care of the forest. They made sure everything was growing properly. They, you know, picking we, berries, doing all that. Weeding stuff. the gardens, taking care of the bushes. You know, all that t- sort of thing. You know, making nice little topiaries. <laughs> you know, they got little bonsai trees with nice little shapes and stuff. Oh, look, it's a duck. campfire songs. It's fun. Exactly, and uh, they were spiritual they were very uh, sort of you know they were these sort of the spiritual leaders tending the wild places um noble spirits were always warriors uh they carry the race memory of the sylvaneth people uh and those are the noble spirits and noble spirits in this book constitute let me see what does it say here what are the noble spirits I forget who constitutes a noble spirit. We'll get to that in a bit. Um, I think it's basically the tree men and... Uh, oh, it's the, no, it's the branch race and the tree revenants. Those are the noble spirits. Oh, yeah, and the tree lords and the tree lord ancients. So those are, yeah. So... Um, Branch wraiths, and then the no, and those uh, the tree revenants are the half elf, half dryad yeah. looking things. They were always the warriors. They carry the race memory of the Sylvaneth people. Some say their memory stretches back to the world that was, and those deepest roots uh, have ideas of the protectors 
and those are the those protectors would be the wood elves. Would be the the wood elves. Yes, many noble spirits come to look like the protectors that echo in their memories, and that's this new model. Which is why they look like elves. And those models actually, when it, when you first saw the drawing, I was like, what? It's like it's like a one arm is an elf and an elf torso and head and with two tough arms and then the, you know it reminded me of Chad from uh, Bleach with the one because they got like this one big tough arm with branches growing out you of mean, it. Like, Trogdor, <laughs> the Burninator. Um, Don't bring him into the Sylvaneth Woods; they would not be happy with you. No. Um, but then you look at the models and it's like, wow, I really, they look really good. I'm, I'm so excited. For this models, um, the the spite the uh, the not the spites the the outcast ones. Those models, we'll get to those in a bit. They're the only ones I'm kind of I'm kind of meh on. Um, everything else here is just really kind of kind of really good. Yeah, I'm really excited. Like for this release, I'm actually I, I was I was going on about how the orc release I haven't seen. Oh, well, and we'll see how how people react to this one uh there's been a little bit of making fun of this one already online uh the orc release i hadn't seen such universal excitement for a release as i saw with the orc models i know you didn't, didn't like, like the maw crusher you're ugh, kind of a dope i hate that model <laughs> um some people it are making fun of so some people are making fun of alarial's big strong legs um I, but she's like chun li it's so cool they're not they're not as big as chun li's legs but hey she's supposed she, she's fit she should be she's a warrior um and she's like chun li so <laughs> let's see uh so the division between these normal the noble spirits and the forest folk and the forest folk were the dryads this is a uh, completely natural and normal to the sylvaneth nobody really cared they're just yeah, like eh. Yeah, Whatever. I mean, this is how it is. These people took care of the forest, and these, and the noble spirits made sure nobody was where they should. There were no none of these things. No miracle things coming in. Exactly. Nobody's coming in where they shouldn't be, and that's how it was. I mean, it's just it's like any normal division. You know, you've got your you know you've got your normal citizens taking care of everyday life, and then you've got your little sort of militant guys making sure that nobody messes with them. Yeah, we have that right now. Yeah. Um, now when war comes on, then you start to see this war song happens and this is where, this is where it starts to get cool. Um, armies are called war groves in this, um, and when the powerful leaders- Because why not be different? What? Because why not be different? Well, I mean, you, you got your own term for it, you know, it's, uh, you know. Uh, powerful leaders send forth the song of war, and the Sylvaneth will drop everything and heed the call. There are many clans, and they go to their own clans first and foremost. So if your own clan calls, your clan will come to you right away. Other clans will also follow if needs be, but first and foremost, you go to your own clan's call first. Uh, the war song is very impressive. Um... And then there's a really cool story here, which uh, I wanted to cover at some point. Um, apparently, now when they, you know, when they call these guys out, the uh, clans are go like said to their own game. Mustering can take days or weeks to the battle. Um, now it's very interesting. First, you get uh, the new clans are bands, uh, uh, new clans and bands of free spirits will come around the, you know, the. Uh, the noble spirits. Yeah. And They're like the epicenter. Right. 
And then the outcasts will sort of sit around on the outside uh, of the whole thing, sort of, sort of watching from a distance. Um, Waiting for things. Yeah, because they're, they're not really trusted. And, uh, but the, uh, the branch witches, they have this weird job that now apparently I was reading this. They have to gather up the, the, they go around to their dead and gather up seeds. Yeah. They're like. Grave robbers, well, no, but not really. No, because grave robbers just go and steal your valuables for themselves. The branch witches, they go through this and they ignore all the other dead. They 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 harvest. It's called the lamentiri, the life echoes. Okay, heart seeds, the mortals called them, or tears of the mother, or one of a hundred names. They could never truly convey their intricate beauty and importance. All noble spirits were podborn with lamentiri nestled in their heartwood or twined amidst their branches. And from birth to death, the small runic worlds were those spirits' most precious possessions. Not only did they hold within them the echoes of the Sylvaneth race memory, but they also drew into themselves the essence of the noble spirit who bore them. So it's kind of like their, their soul and their, and their memories. Um, and like when you die, if they put... If they put that in somebody else, in like another soul pod or whatever, it's like being reborn. You don't really die. Well, they would bring it to the soul pod grove, and they would be plant them, and so that they could, they could when the next when the next things grow, they would have those continue those memories. So it's like, yeah, you died, but you're still really like the same person. Exactly. So um, that's kind of a cool thing. It almost reminded me of in 40K when they go to get their gene seed. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Not exactly the same. It's kind of a bad analogy, but it's still that idea of them going through and gathering up these bits same of Same yeah. basic concept. So um, I just thought that was a really another really neat and interesting uh like just add on in there and that they have to go through this and this is their job. She just goes through with her scythe going among there and uh, singing this song for the fallen. Singing a song for the fallen and picking stuff out of these, this soul pod grove. All right. Uh, then we get to the... Um, and we'll do this next before the next break because when we get to the next break is when we're going to start talking about the breakdown of these different uh, the different clans, and the, stuff. the different yeah the different the different war groves. But we've got the uh, the 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 space timeline. You know the bizarro it's space weird. Timeline. I can't really read it. You just gotta follow the little. There's always that little. But there's different directions line. that you're going in. Just follow the general branch. It's fine. It's not that hard. So the endless cycle, as it's called, starts off with the sewing. Uh, S O W sewing. Alarial, um, bringing forth all the Sylvaneth. In the age of myth, she walked her garden realm and sowed her seeds in lakes of light and sighing glades. From golden mountains to the ocean's depths, Solarial planted soul pod groves, and from these enchanted plants came the first of the Sylvaneth. The first were the ancestors of the Oakenbrow and the Gnarl Root glades, though more Sylvaneth soon followed. So you've sort of got... 
Things are growing. Yep. Um, happens. There's a couple of cool things that do pop up in here, though, that I want to mention. Um, I'm not going to read every one of these. I like the shrouded time. Um, as the age of chaos starts and Nurgle's got his toehold, the war of life is getting worse and worse. Uh, the Sylvan, the Sylvaneth, at least. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. It's well. It's, as the war gets worse for someone, it's getting better for somebody else, right? Uh, the Sylvaneth Wargroves found the conflict turning against them despite their every effort. Alariel vowed to her royal moot that she would turn the tide no matter the price. What horrors followed are a mystery, veiled from memory by enchanted forgetfulness. Some Sylvaneth speculate that it was during this time that the curse of the outcast fell upon their people. Others say that whatever transpired, it began Alariel's waning. So they don't even know. Uh, there's this forgetfulness uh, that Alarial put yeah. on them. Yeah, Alarial threw a forget me spell or whatever. Right, but the fact that she doesn't want them to know what happened, I think, is really interesting. It's like, whoa, huh? What? <laughs> what? Wait a minute. What did you do, Alarial? Yeah. Um, then we get to this bitter harvest, and um, as the Sylvaneth places of power across the mortal realms fell one by one. Alariel was forced to ever more extreme measures to save her children. Seeking a way to turn the tide of war, she planted the seed of Draika deep within the Vale of Hamadrithil. Uh, Hamadrithil. Oh, whatever. Beneath deep the, the Vale, vale of something that's hard to pronounce. Hamadrithil. What emerged from that dark place was not what the goddess expected. So she had, the, you know, you remember the Branch Wraith Draika from... Yeah, she was really, really cool. And she hate no, she hated everybody though. Yep. Draika hated anything that wasn't a forest spirit. Like she didn't like she humans. didn't like the elves. Yeah, she didn't like the elves being there. She, I mean, she didn't want anything being there. And and Alariel has her seed with her, mm-hmm. and she kept it forever. Like she didn't plant it. She held it because you don't want to use something like that. Exactly. But then uh, she winds up planting it anyway. Um. Well, at some point she ran out of options. Right. Um, and then we get to this really interesting, uh, it sort of goes through and there's, you know, more stuff happening here. Um, where is this next part that I really liked? Oh yeah. The queen of malice followed by, uh, black hollow. So this is after Alariel withdraws, right? Alariel withdraws into uh-huh. Athelweird. Draika claims that their mother was gone for good or Draika's claims that their mother was gone for good, moved many Sylvaneth to join her ranks. Several clans of, of Dreadwood Glade foremost among them. She assembled a vast war grove, leading her followers on a destructive rampage that left millions dead. Millions. Yeah, she's kind of crazy. During the infamous Battle of Black Hollow, the clans of Dreadwood were forced to ally, ally with the Hallowed Knights to prevail over the Nightmare Host. Sigmar's warriors were horrified at the spite and cruelty of their fey allies, though the sheer monstrosity of their enemies was a, mere, was a more pressing concern. So Sigmar, guys, joined up with them. Sigmar was like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, th- yeah so they were horrified. At the way Draika and her and her and her allies were 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 acting, um, that was a little crazy. Um, because she's Draika, that's what she does. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I think the last one, as we sort of go through here, before Lariel is reborn, 
Uh, as the Iron Jaw, Iron Jaw War Clan of Megaboss Drog rampaged across Lunarium, Clan Vendrith of the Harvest Boon followed in its wake, sowing new wildwoods in areas raised by the hordes of destruction. So this is some of the stuff that's going on um, before we get to the uh, the Genesis Gate. Um, and that's uh, is after after Illyrio's rebirth, but before uh, before or actually this is after the Genesis Gate, where she goes to, which is um, I believe part of the uh, the All Gates story that you're getting. Yes, but this is where she's coming in, and she's got her people in their different realms as as they're finally breaking out back into the other realms, even. Um, like how they're just following behind the orcs, and as the orcs are just destroying all the chaos and nonsense in their path, she's sending her people out behind them to to plant seeds and grow the forests. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, right? But it's just, I just thought it was great. Just go, just new wildwoods. Just keep, just keep following them. Don't actually anger them, though. Yep. So, um, that's just some of the stuff that's going on. There's a great. I like this. I like the, some of the th- stuff going on in this book. Um, and I know, Harrison, you were saying you, that you liked it too. Just the whole symbolism of this second chances and the rebirth and that cycle, as it goes through this cycle and how she's cycled through that death and as she's coming back, they're getting this, not just a second chance to do things right, but the the, the war is renewed. Yeah. And it's following this whole this whole cycle thing with the woods. It's giving me flashbacks to bio, but it's really cool <laughs> with like the water cycle. Oh my god! <laughs> um, but no, it's just it's really just this fantastic sort of of story, and it sort of fits with the whole with this entire. I mean, it's it sort of parallels almost Sigmar's thing where he locked himself off and he came through. She did the same thing. She locked herself off, but uh, in a seed. Instead well, no, of behind a gate. No, she locked herself off in Athelweird. Oh, but she didn't have a plan to bust out and do anything. She was just sitting and moping. He locked himself off with a plan, came out, and sort of he's bringing. Now he he comes to her and and she sees this. Oh wait a minute! I can get out now. Yeah, and 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 now her plan is starting to come through too, and and. It's like you see them actually starting to push chaos back, which I think is fantastic because... Because that never happens ever. No, you never see them pushing back chaos. It's like there's hope here. This is almost like uh, when you were reading the when we were reading the Dwarf book and the Book of Grudges was actually getting shorter. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like there's actual hope. And I know you can't ever destroy the chaos gods because things they're eternal. Things are completely awful. Right, but it's like, wow, wait, are things getting good? Like... Could you actually kick chaos out of these realms? Could you actually, you know... Can you win? Yeah. I mean, you can't destroy chaos. I get that. I get that they have their own realms and they're eternal and they can never be got... But could you actually get them and lock them out of these gates and... and, and could you save what you have? Yeah. Save your gates and, and put down barriers and basically... You know, lock them out. Yeah, keep them away. And then defend the gates as opposed to what's going on now, which is just fighting. Take your land. Yeah. Um, I just think this is really, really cool, really cool stuff going on here. Um, and just that whole, that's why I read that cycle of renewal, that going behind the destruction and and, and spreading out new, yeah. new things to grow. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's a it's this great theme that runs through this whole book that I'm really enjoying. So let's let's take another break, and when we come back, um, we will hit uh, talking about the different armies and the different war groves, because um, there are there are about seven main glades as well as a couple of side things that we need to discuss so that we understand the yes. makeup of the realm of life. So uh, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. Back with the armies of the glades. Glades. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. All right. So it says here that uh, the Sylvaneth race is made up of glades, and the closest mortal comparison would be nations or perhaps empires. Although they're more like vast extended family whose descendants are scattered in enclaves across the mortal realms. There are at least seven that existed at the time of Valeriel's rebirth, although some glades die out, spring up. Or being lost and subsequently rediscovered, it's not unheard of. Um, each glade is ruled over by a mighty regent of the glades and has its own traditions, traits, and cultures. So here's what we've got so far. Um, first, now there's seven glades, but you've also, first you've got the royal moot. And the royal moot is like Alariel's high court where they make the decisions of stuff. They do things there. <laughs> they do things. <laughs> um, let's see. You've got the High King Oakenbrow, Oakenbrow Glade, the Old King of the Gnarlrood Glade, the Willow Queen of the Harvest Boon Glade, the Old King of the Winterleaf Glade, the Dowager, the Dowager Queen of the Heartwood Glade, the Archduke of Ironbark, the Keeper of Dreadwood, and the Huntmaster of Kurnoth, which is not. An actual glade. Uh, that's he's the uh, the chosen representative of the free spirits. Uh, they gather and attend upon Alariel, the queen of the radiant wood. They are all equal in her eyes. Now, who are these free spirits? Free spirits are grown from the seeds of war, planted in the blood sap of the courageous and the heroic. The Kurnoth hunters and the sons of Durthu stand ready to do the bidding of their beloved queen and make her will manifest across the mortal realms. Now, uh, sons of Durthu. Now. 
and the Kernoth Hunters. We're going to get to who they are story-wise in a little bit. They're coming up in our notes. Uh, Model-wise, Kernoth Hunters are new models. Yes, and they're very nice new models. They look like mini tree tree men. Yeah, basically. Um, the, uh, basically, the tree kin, the old tree kin models are kind of out. And this is sort of their replacement. But they still look nice. So uh, They're actually way better. Um, a, a lot better. Yeah. Basically, for all the people who complain that the tree kin just kind of looked like a big bunch of twigs in weird random shapes these guys look like mini tree men they're really kind of awesome they're very pretty now who are the sons of Durthu if you buy the now if you remember when you bought the tree I man don't know model, dad tell me well no if you bought the tree man model the tree man model it could make a tree man or a tree man ancient or you could make Durthu yep and remember he had the sword mm-hmm the sons of Durthu as the Durthu mo- version of the model um, and so they all have swords. Yeah, they all. That's how you could tell them from the other treatment. They have swords. Basically, there is no Durthu anymore. Those named characters have gone away. <laughs> but the sons of Durthu are a special sort of breed of tree men. But they're cool. Yeah, and they're, they're called the free spirits, and they are very warlike tree men. They don't necessarily lead war. Gro- they don't lead groves or glades. Uh, they are warriors. They just kind of kill things. Yep, they're very now, good at it. Now, there's seven glades. Uh, Oakenbrow is ancient and noble. Uh, Paragons of virtue and law, blah, blah, blah. Gnarl root, old beyond mortal thought, strange and grim. They only care for lore and the hidden secrets of ancient things. You've got the heartwood, the bravest ones, none more true. The iron bark uh, shall never bend, shall never break. The deepest roots and the strongest branch. Winter leaf, harsh and cold as the leafless bough. They look cool when you paint them. Yeah, their heartwood is not but ashes and sorrow. The di- the harvest boon, new shoots. This is the new one. Um, new shoots grow swiftest when the fires have passed, and with them grows a hope that was long lost. And then there's the dreadwood glade. Spiteful is the sharpened thorn, dark as the shadows beneath the forest's heart. Fear the spirits of dreadwood, for no mercy do they feel. That's the one that, like, Dreyka... Uh, really sort of took a lot of them from the, they call it the Keeper of Dreadwood. Um, because they're basically, they're basically a Glade of Dreyka. Yeah. Uh, and then the book goes on to describe uh, the different Glades, uh, Elarial, Gnarlroot, Heartwood, and what they're like. Um, yeah, other clans don't trust Dreadwood. It's cruel, malicious, and spiteful. Um, if you had Dryka and then you made lots of her and made them a glade, it would be them. More outcasts are drawn to this must their musters than any other clans. So um, we get through that. It shows you the breakdown of a Sylvaneth Wargrove in the book. There's lots of cool stuff here. Um, what's interesting is that you'll get your 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 Wargrove. There lots of tree men. <laughs> oh, tree men are not like new things that you have anymore. They're not. They're not like that rare where you'd have one or two in your army, and you're like, "Whoa, you have a tree man!" No, you ha- you're like, you only have nine tree men. What are you? <laughs> so, um, what you'll get is you'll get your 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 head of your clan, who is your one tree man ancient. You'll have another tree man guardian, another tree man lore master, and then you'll get households. And each household is led by a tree man and a bunch of nobles. 
and those are the the noble households, and those are your um, your what What do we call those guys? The uh, the elf the, dryads, yeah, whatever the, they're called. Uh, why do I keep the um, ugh, the tree revenants? Elf dryads. <laughs> the elf dryads, as you insist on calling Copyright them. Copyright twenty sixteen. Uh, that's they're tree revenants. Elf dryads. Um, then you've got the forest folk, which are branch wraiths or branch witches. Um, Basically the same thing. Yeah. It's a branch witch and a bunch of dryads. Uh, you'll have free spirits will always show up, which is a spirit of Durthu, mm-hmm. which is another tree man with a sword leading a bunch of those Kurnoth hunters, which look like mini tree men. So you got tree man with a sword lead smaller trees. Yes. Uh, they can trees. have scythes or swords or bows. They're really cool. Uh, and then the outcasts always show up, and those are those little spite reverence. Those are the ones that look the weirdest. They look like they're kind of bald, and they look kind of weird. They look kind of like bums. Well, the outcasts, they're half spites, half dryads. Remember the old spites from the, yeah, you know, they're the little, cool. little spirity things? They're the ones that have merged with the dryads, and they're just kind of crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, they they just kind of lost it a little while ago. Yeah. So, um, oops. So you get, uh, yeah. I said three tree lords make up the clan. You'll have various number of households led by a tree man ancient. Several bands of forest folk around the flanks. The forest folk, the dryad guys, sort of take up the flanks. You get the you get your 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 revenants, your tree revenants. And your free spirits will take up, take the front, the brunt of the fighting, because they're the real warriors. Yeah. And then the the dryads and stuff will sort of take up the flanks and come in and and Clean as support. Up. And the outcasts just sort of hang out. They don't. They, they're like not really wanted, so they just sort of stay off in the shadows, and will just jump in when the fight starts. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because no one really wants them there. There. Also, because um, they're ugly. <laughs> um. There's a there's a whole bunch of like you get a little description of the oaken brow glade and then you'll see their paint scheme and then we've got the harvest boon glade and it gives us their paint scheme uh, and then I like how each glade has their own paint scheme as opposed to like just different seasons like with the old stuff yeah well and it's I mean this it's kind of like how the empire how all the other armies like each region had their own colors. Now, each glade has their own colors. Not just, hey, it's fall. We're going to be wearing lots of orange. Yeah. Um, and I don't, it, it's, it's, it's interesting because there's still these weird natural things. It's not like they necessarily pick their colors, it doesn't seem. They're still. No, but it's. But the it's, oak and brow have. It these, seems more structured. Yeah. Oak and brow have, oak and brow have warmer colors. The willow, the harvest boon clans, uh, are light and vibrant hues of the seasons, um, and then you get different. Then they show you just a little bit of some of the other ones. The winter leaf ones are obviously colder and lighter. Yeah. I mean, they're still seasonal colors, but it's like they they instead they they're not completely dominated by seasonal colors. They still yeah. have their main underlying color scheme. Right. Um, it's it's just it's a really nice little setup there. It gives you a nice. Um, a nice layout for you to choose instead of just it's picking, a very nice outline uh, instead of picking a season you can pick a, a a glade that you like yeah you know you're not just saying oh i just want to paint them in uh you know i just want to paint uh fall 
Oh, okay, well that you know this you can yeah. you can go with a, you can go with a like a faction fall no. inside of the Oakenbrow, right? Which will be slightly different than fall inside the cold people, whatever they're called. Yes, the cold people, I, the beautiful people, the beautiful people. That's not appropriate. <laughs> that's like really not appropriate. Oh, you just don't like me quoting things you like. All right, so let's let's jump into the. Uh, the cast of characters here. The warriors of the Radiant Woods here. Cast of characters. Nice alliteration there. Mm, thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we start off with Alariel. Uh, after she is rebirthed from her pod, she's in her war aspect. Okay. Model. She's going to fight. Model. Awesome. Oh, my. Uh, story. Awesome. Oh, my again. Um, You know what might be cool? And I know they won't do it. <laughs> because well, oh no. why would they? It would kind of be cool. That this is the war aspect, right? And there's different seasons for Alarial. Yeah. Wouldn't it kind of be cool to have like a model for all her different aspects? That would be cool, but I mean, why would I it. want like farmer Alarial? <laughs> I mean, like why I could well, have Alarial with a big spear or Alarial in overalls. I I I I mean I I said I knew they wouldn't do it and I knew exactly why but it would just kind because of because I don't want to layer in overalls, right? Um, the Ever Queen with the Wardroth Beetle just looks so good. Oh, and it's so big. Yeah, that is a huge model. And I don't care that she looks all buff and ready to fight. She's ready to fight. She's gonna fight somebody. Yeah. No, this is just really great. This is fantastic. I I like this model, um, her backstory. That how just you know, you know when we've talked about everything about her is cool. Yeah. Uh, Okay, and the Wardroth beetle isn't actually a beetle; it's a spite. It just looks like a big beetle. It's a spite when she decides to take off and fly because she can fly because she's hilarious. The beetle turns into a million little fireflies. Hold on a second. What is it here? Um, she goes to war atop an immense spite known as a Wardroth beetle. This living battering ram crushes all before it and fights with incredible loyalty to defend its queen. Whenever Lariel takes to the air upon her fronded wings, her lumbering steed shatters into a million swirling fireflies. These flow through the air around the Everqueen before solidifying once more as her feet touch down upon its back. See, Fro- you know what I want? I want that model. <laughs> I want the millions of fireflies. <laughs> From the shell of this monstrous creature hangs Solomorphe. Within these glittering vessels swirl magical pollens that can bring forth new Sylvaneth from the ground or choke the life from the enemy. Even Alariel's weapons embody the cycle of blooming, reaping, and withering. The Spear of Karnoth projects raking blasts of energy even as the talon of the dwindling drains the life from Alariel's foes and reduces them to gnarled husks. Such is the nature of the Everqueen, who sees all as flows of energy within the weave of reality, and whose cruelty and spite towards her enemies is matched only by the courage she instills in her allies. So she has the Spear of Kurnoth. Yeah, basically. Orion's old spear. Orion's yep. gone. Well, like, yeah, he's Ar- a named character. He's dead. But Kurnoth, the whole, that the god that Orion was sort of the embodiment yeah, Kurnoth of. Kurnoth is actually one of the few gods that the Sylvaneth worship besides Alariel. Yeah. They were, and, and she has the, the spear, which I think is just really cool. Um, then we get into the noble spirits. Now, the noble spirits actually make up four different models. The tree lords and the tree lord ancients. 
Uh, they're the leaders of your grove. They are the foremost among the normal spirits. They are beloved by all the Sylvaneth. Uh, you get spites infesting their branches and their hides. That's where you get the little, you know, the little little things that are in the models. Like You've termites. seen them in the models. <laughs> yeah. Well, except they're not eating them. They're just living there. Um, they are suffused with life magic. They can travel farther through the realm roots than other creatures. Uh, their war song travels farther, but not between realms. Only Alarial's song can travel between realms. Because she's Alarial. Yeah, it was only with the coming of chaos that that was sort of cut off. But now, apparently, her war song can travel between realms now as well. I think if you get angry enough, your song becomes stronger. Um, the now the tree men, the tree lord ain't. There's no tree men. They're all tree lords now. They're, they're tree men. Uh, there's no word tree men. They're all tree lords. They're, they're tree men. Stop it. Ancients are also lore masters. They take in every detail of the battles. This is great. Um, when they do the war song and all the all the dryads and the and all the all the tree revenants and everyone shows up for the battle, uh, they march around and they they take a look. They look at everybody who's there. They know the face and name of every spirit that follows them into battle. These memories can always be recalled with perfect clarity, allowing centuries of strategic insight. Um, so Tree Lord Ancients. So they're the, the perfect masters. general. Yeah, well, not only that, but just these ancients, they literally know the name and f- talk about, you know how the, when we were talk, when we were covering the Duarden and we say how the Duarden, they keep the records of everybody who fought and everybody who died and all that mm-hmm. stuff. They write all this stuff down. The, as the Tree Lord Ancients walk around, they just memorize exactly the name they, of they everyone who's there. They don't need to write it down yeah. because they're Tree Lords. Uh, no, no, they're Tree Lord Ancients. Tree Lords are seen as youthful and impulsive by the Ancients. They're only a few hundred years old. <laughs> you know, that Tree Lord, he's only 500. That young pup, he's not. Me staring at you very coldly does not make for good radio. <laughs> no, it's why I'm ignoring it. Um, they are the personifications of their houses. So, however, that house, you know, the whatever we talked about with the, you know, the ancient wisdom or the coldness or the fiery passionateness, um, the tree lords sort of embody that, and they really sort of run with that. Um, out of the rare slot and into the forefront, I wrote. They're just <laughs> woohoo. Yeah. Um, well, dude, I, I was reading some of these uh, different battalions and stuff. Oh, they're really cool. Yeah, but I mean, they're like three and four tree men in it. In fact, if you take some, if you you, you can run an entire house, to go to war, just an, an entire grove. Like they have after they do the the battalions, they have the Oakenbrow War Grove in here, and they'll have a Naro Root War Grove, which is basically taking multiples of all the different. Uh, battalions and it says if you actually max out the list of how many battalions because some of them are like zero to one or zero to two or zero to three of different battalions Uh and it says if you max out on the list that you get bonuses well some of it I went through this and some of this if you max out on the list you have like nine tree men and like you know 30 units on the board like I can appreciate that that would just be amazing (laughs) I was like oh goodness reading this it's so so cool. All right. So let's look at the rest of the noble spirits, and then we're going to take another break. Um, yeah. So we've got the uh, the branch branch witches and tree revenants. Okay. Um, 
the Sylvaneth equivalent to a standing army is a household. Typically, each clan has three such bodies of soldiery, though the largest and most prominent clans, sometimes referred to as the root clans, can field many more. By comparison, the smallest clans or branch clans may have as little as a single household to enforce their will. (laughs) Households have multiple bands of tree revenants, each one led into battle by a branch witch and a tree lord. Their duties range widely, from patrolling an enclave's borders and garrisoning its defenses to reconquering places of power and crushing the armies of those who would do the Sylvaneth harm. Uh, Branch witches have these really cool scythes now. They look really awesome. Oh, they look really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, branch witches are described sort of uh, as druidic. They protect the soul pod glades. They're the ones who harvest the fallen lamentiri that we talked about already. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what else is in here that it talks about? They uh, they're respected by the commanders and sorceresses. Uh, they have infamously short tempers or are ferocious. Only spites are immune to their ire. The odd creatures can do nothing wrong in the branch witch's eyes, and they flock to their ma- and aid their matriarchal protectors when battle is joined. The most faithful of these companions are the bitter grubs, large caterpillar-like creatures that ride happily upon the branch witch's shoulders and savagely attack her foes if any come near enough. When a bitter grub has fed on enough of his victim's flesh and blood, it metamorphoses, hardening over many days into a ter- an emerald cocoon before splitting open to disgorge a shimmering cloud of silver pollen that rejuvenates even the most befouled and corrupted ground. Kind of interesting little bits of weird stuff that goes on with these. Yeah, it's kind of weird, Kind of intriguing. But it's like this little grub that stays with her, and then as they fight, it, it and after it eats enough enemies' blood, that causes a cocoon, which it metamorphoses into uh, powder or dust, so it doesn't turn into something else. It goes poof, and when it pops open and poof, that whatever it turns into cleanses the area. Yeah. Which is cool. Like, it, it doesn't turn into another thing. It just... it. It, it, it killed enough of its enemies. It blows and it, up. Yeah, to cleanse the area. Um, and, of course, these guys being these protectors of the areas. And that it's, it's just a neat idea that I really liked. Um, so these guys go through there. The leaders, if they're not with tree lords, um, branch witches do all this stuff. They're like the druids, too. So they're like sort of the little religious people. But they're the ones who go and harvest... Like, that's got to be, I mean, they're cranky, but that's got to be a rough job going into the field afterwards and harvesting the, the yeah, memories you know, and the I seeds from your dead. I can't imagine that picking dead people apart would be fun. Well, and it's and it's all getting it from that, from the tree revenants, because it's the tree revenants. It's only from the nobles that have it. Yeah. So it's from the tree revenants, which are the ones that look partly like elves. Yeah. Uh, the tree revenants affect a somber aspect as, defi- as befits the warrior caste of their people. It's said that their appearance echoes the protectors of ancient days, their features flowing and strangely delicate, their smooth-barked limbs ending in hands that wield elegant, enchanted blades. Everything the tree revenants do, from their selfless defense of the forest folk to the strokes and swirls of their eerie fighting style, is intended to uphold and strengthen the memory of those beings. They even bear worm silk banners into battle rallying around these woodland icons like the protectors of old are said to have done so they worm silk so they have they have actual silken banners 
Like, well, like yeah, it's yeah. they're like the elves. They're, yeah, they're they're sort of. It's it's weird. They aspire to be the elves, which is a weird thing because the elves were only tolerated in the woods. The wood elves, like you know, it was like this sort of a symbiotic relationship. But if you read a lot of that stuff, like if a, an elf takes a wrong step in in Ethel Lauren and they died, you know, yeah, they and half the forest hated them. The other half tolerated them. There was no real love in the forest for the wood elves. Oh, the wood elves loved the forest, but. Yeah. But the forest didn't love them. Now it's sort of the opposite. Like, they don't exist anymore, but they were these sort of protectors that were. It's like they kind of realize what happened. Well, and Alariel was one of them. Alariel was an elf. So, like, and she is, like, their god and protector now. So, this is sort of this this total change in attitude towards them. Like, they sort of emulate these elves that we haven't actually seen elves yet anyway. Which is sad. Uh, well, we'll see them soon, I'm thinking. There's a couple of races we haven't seen, and they're coming. They've got to be coming. I just want the elves. <laughs> uh, they love to attack by moving through the realm roots, flickering from place to place, and uh, disconcerting their enemies, invading their enemies at the speed of thought. This is really cool. You know, I'm just picturing them sort of flickering and popping in and out, you know, because they can move through the realm roots. So you're fighting, and suddenly, like, they're here, and they're moving through the trees, and suddenly it's like... They move behind a tree and suddenly they don't come out the other side and they pop up over there. Yeah, it's weird and crazy and cool and fun. You know what I was thinking of? Um, and this is nobody's, almost nobody listening is going to know what I'm talking about because we literally just watched it. That X-Files episode we just watched recently where they were out in the woods and that weird tree thing, that weird Native American tree shaman weird thing was attacking them and making them disappear. Oh, yeah, that thing and was remember, like you, you could kidnapping sort, them. Yeah, like you could see it, and it was there, and as soon as you got a good look at it, like shimmered and like, it like, like yeah. disappeared. That's kind of what I'm picturing. Like it's in the trees, it's moving, it's part of the trees, it looks like a tree. Next thing you know, it's not there, and it's standing next to you, and you got a branch sticking through the middle of your favorite neck. And it's like, you know, and then they're dropping like flies. I'm like, oh, this is a cool... Sense Seems of like an fun. army, yeah, 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 and that's and these are these are your your um your noble your noble spirits. This is the the stuff that you've got. That's the background on them. So we're gonna take a break, and we'll come back and we'll discuss the forest folk, the free spirits, uh, and the outcasts before jumping into the um the bits of story and the uh, the uh, scenarios that the book gives us. Okay, we'll be back. Hey folks, it's Dave. Are you looking for that special model to add to your army? A monstrous creature or maybe a character model? Something unusual that not everybody else is fielding on their table? Well, then you should check out Mears Miniatures at MearsMiniatures.com. Their Darklands line is full of some of the most fantastic creature models you'll ever see. And with the success of their recent Kickstarter, those models will be perfect for you to play in their forthcoming Darklands game. So whether you're looking for a new skirmish level game to play with lots of cool monstrous creatures, or you're just looking for that extra special model to add to your existing games line, Mears Miniatures is really worth your time. Check them out at Mears-Miniatures.com. 
Facebook.com. And seriously, guys, you'll be glad you did. We are back. Back, back, back. And we're going to talk a little bit about the forest folk here. The forest folk consisting of the branch wraiths and the dryads. Uh, some more fantastic artwork and some The artwork info. in this book is just so good. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I really like this picture, though, of the, of the branch wraiths. It's just, it's really sort of creepy and uh, and cool. Um, so... This one is actually a little bit sad. Um, first, it explains the spites, which I remember the first time I read this back in the, in the old Wood Elf book, the old, old Wood Elf book. Um, I, thought it was, you know, I thought it was supposed to be sprites, which is, you know, you know little how tiny. it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it's like, no, it's spites. I thought it was a typo. And it's like, no, that's, they're spites. They're little crazy things that are, you know, that's what they are. I'm like, all right, I get it. Uh, they are magical imps that spring up around any concentration of Alarial's children. Their forms are diverse from tiny humanoids and insect-like creatures to vast hulking monsters. Some seem irascible, others whimsical, others cruel or wise, foolish or enigmatic. Many spites are able to conjure magical cantrips. Some spit, bite, or sting with an array of venoms, while others fight with tiny weapons or tangle victims in binding thorns. All these talents are turned to the assistance of the Sylvanath to their great benefit, while in return... The clans indulge the spites in their nonsense and playfulness and protect them from harm. So it's just like, it's like the weirdest little relationship. So they help the Sylvaneth fight and the Sylvaneth tolerate them. All right, cool. But they're like, it's, 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 it's a complete strength in numbers type of thing because they're not very strong, but there's a bajillion of them and they're easily smashed. But so. Yeah, unless it's a giant hulking monster fight. So they just, you know, they, they help out. They want to help out. They do their best. And in return, they, they get to be a part of this, and they're tolerated by the giant tree men and tree kin. Um, it's kind of funny. It's like they're very dedicated. They're like that annoying kid. It's like he really wants to help. <laughs> and sometimes does. Exactly. So you let so him So you let out. him sit at the lunch table with exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So... um. Branch race, the dryads, they are the most numerous of the forest folk, the dryads are. Um, and the uh, the branch race are like the little chieftains and spiritual guides of the dryads. And now they never fought in the Age of Myth. I like this. I know you did too, Harrison. Oh, this is probably one of the coolest parts in this book. Yeah, they were like like we were talking before. They were They just took care of the forests. And all of a sudden the Age of Chaos comes in and... Chaos comes running through, and dryads are just dying. If you are a dryad, odds are you're dead. Yeah, um, basically. Only the strongest ones, and the strongest ones who actually fought back, lived at all. Um, they weren't fighters, um, and they're only dangerous in in large numbers. But those ones who did survive, you know, just just fought. I mean, they they managed to survive. And this is the toughest of them. They are not, t- even the toughest of them are not all that tough. But there's just so many of yeah, them. Yeah, there's, 
countless numbers of dryads. Yeah, so th- what they lack in, in martial ability, they make up for in just sheer numbers. Um, now, I like this description. It says that the branch rates carry an echo of the noble spirit's greatness, but do not bear lamentary. So they have some of that, that, that what makes the noble spirits noble, but they don't have the, the seeds and the, and the, yeah. the memory. Um, They're just branch rates. Yeah. Uh, dryads are considered wild forces of nature. They don't plan. They don't strategize. They don't do any of the stuff that the noble spirits do when they plan out a day. They just kind of jump at you. Yeah. When they are just ferocious when they're called to battle. They're like, they're, it, it's like. <laughs> they're like wild dogs. You know what it is? It's not even like wild dogs because wild dogs are, are tough and, and can be vicious. And these guys, they can, they can be ferocious, but, but they're not fighters. They don't know how to fight. It's like, and I guess I could use it as a personal example with you. You know, like when you upset your sister so much that she just like comes at you like and she doesn't know what she's doing she just starts flailing all her arms and limbs and she's just trying to do whatever she can to get you yeah she's so mad that's kind of how i picture this it's like they don't know how to fight they don't have a plan they're just going to try and kill you before you kill them with whatever they can just however whatever doesn't matter and it actually hey, if it works it works exactly and it says how the noble spirits here, some of the noble spirits look down on dryads. They don't like, they don't think they're really worth that much because of the fact that they're not good or trained fighters. They just go out there and, and they just do their thing and act like maniacs. Exactly. Um, but this is a complete turnaround from what they were in, in the old world. And I, and I like it that they were these sort of gentle, yeah, they're very different. They are not the same dryads at all. Uh, I mean, they, they don't play that much differently from the old ones, but just the way their story works is is just is just fantastic. Um, and now we get to the free spirits and the sons of Durthu. Um, now this is the Durthu model. Uh, it's similar to a tree lord, but it's got flickering energies in its body and the guardian sword. Way. Ooh, ah. Uh, before Alariel retreated to Athelweird, uh, they did something that upset her, and she banished them. I thought this was interesting. They left for the other mortal realms. This is called the splintering. But this is sometime before she retreated. Whatever they did happened during that forgetful time. So nobody knows what they did. They just did something. Yeah, they did something that she had told them, hey, you got to leave. And so they've been gone. Which is weird because Alariel the whole time has been like this big benevolent goddess. And now it's like, oh, I, she totally threw people out. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, she did what she had to do. Something happened during that time. She made them all forget what happened. But whatever it was, she had to banish these guys. And these guys are like totally... Uh, they're like bodyguards. They're like her champions. They're her protectors. They're always there with her. And they have been there with her like for so long. And then she banishes them before going to Athelweird. So, uh, you know, there's... They don't really know what to do with themselves. Well, so they all left for the other realms. They just like, okay, well... And here's the thing. Uh, if you read this, it's like they're sworn to do whatever she tells them. So they're she's like, you got to leave. Um... 
well, nuts. <laughs> this Uh-oh. is not. Uh, yeah, this stinks. We don't. You know, we're sworn to protect you, but we're sworn to actually do whatever you tell us. And you just said we had to leave, so this stinks. Uh. So they leave, and that's called the splintering, as I said. Um, I I like this whatever this time of forgetfulness is because you can throw a lot of stuff in there. And it's something that they can definitely build upon later. Right. And there's something's going to open this up. We're going to hear about it. It's going to happen. Um, I, I just have a feeling this is a big deal. That's going to that's going. Well, to, if she made her entire realm forget what happened, it has to be a big deal. Yeah. But it, I'm just saying, is it going to be a big like game wise? Is, is this going to be a huge reveal? Something that's planned for a later story, a later campaign? So that's kind of what I'm what I'm excited to to uh, to see. Now, along with the free spirits are the Kurnoth hunters, and these are basically kind of the replacement for the treekin. Uh, yeah. they, they look like little tree men, though. They don't look like just big flailing bunches of branches. These models are awesome. These are the ones that people have seen. Um, they do. They, they look like mini tree men. One has a scythe. One has a sword, and some have that bow. So they have the nice options to build. Yeah, it's, you yeah. got stuff to do. Uh, and it says in here, Kurnoth is one of the few deities that the Sylvaneth worship, as well as Alarial. Um, so they still call the Wild Hunt in Kurnoth's name, but it's these guys who go out. It's yeah. not, you know, it's not the... Uh, the Wild Riders. Yeah. So. Which I was disappointed about. I like those. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Kurnoth is one of the few deities the Sylvaneth worship alongside Illyrial herself. He represents nature's wildness and hunger, a god of the hunt who some believe to be Illyrial's soul consort. The Kurnoth hunters are living embodiments of his wrath. So this is the guys you pull out. Um, now, these guys are new. They have. It says that they just arrived. They just started coming out of the soul pods when Alariel took up the spear of Kurnoth in this new form, this war form that she just took. So the other dryads and tree spirits and and all these guys, no one had ever really seen these Kurnoth hunters. Which before. is interesting because it begs the question of when she picked up the spear, did it like awaken them? Were they like dormant in their soul pods? Yeah, exactly. Were they here before and just, you know, they hadn't come out yet? Or is this something that she created new? Exactly. Um, they make exceptional scouts. They're always calm. They always have a plan. Um, they like to lure the enemy into traps. And they are the Ever Queen's executioners. When somebody absolutely positively has got to die, she calls the wild hunt. So if someone specific needs killing... This is what she do. Um, the fact that they worship Kurnoth uh, makes some of the other uh, spirits of the forest uh, mistrust them. Oh, oh probably like Draka. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, and it's... Despite the fact that Alario vouches for them and says that they are, you know, devout, devoted and just as trustworthy as any of them, there are some of them who are like, eh, I don't know. You know, we, we don't, none of us worship anyone but you, so. It's cool, just don't listen to your goddess. That's the cool thing to do. <laughs> so, but it's, it's cool that they're new. They show up on the scene. They sort of got this, their own thing going on, and they're, and they're super deadly. It's interesting that, you know. 
to get it, not this There's thing. new stuff. Yeah. It's a new model, but it's new to the other models as well. They're like, who? What, what, what are these? Where did these guys come from? So, uh, what else? Um, the Outcasts. These guys are weird. Yes, these are the Spite Revenants and Draca. These are the these are the sort of weird, ugly looking models. They they have sort of the weird, you know, bald heads with pointy ears and sharp, pointy teeth. They sort of look like little weird baby vampire mutated things uh, in their faces. They're just kind of ugly. Um, let's see. The Sylvaneth, what does it say here? The Sylvaneth have long speculated about the origins of the outcasts. They are the Sylvaneth, yet not a dark reflection of Alariel's otherwise vibrant children. Perhaps they were spites who tried to become Sylvaneth and became something monstrous instead. Maybe they're the product of soul pods growing in tainted soil. Many believe that the outcasts are Sylvaneth who gave in to despair or broke an oath to Alariel. All agree that the first of the outcasts appeared in the wake of the shrouded season, that sinister time of forgetting into which even the eldest Sylvaneth cannot cast their minds. What can have occurred, they wonder, that was so awful it compelled Alariel to shield her children behind a veil of forgetfulness and to bear the burden of memory alone? None can say, but all Sylvaneth are filled with disquiet when they think upon such things. Most frightening of all is that, even now, None know where new outcasts come from. So they don't even know where where outcasts come. It's I think this is just sort of crazy. Um Do they themselves know? Well, if they know they're not telling. You know. It kinda reminds me of like Slayers, but What do you mean? Well, Nobody else know why knows why they became slayers, except for the slayers themselves. Oh, that's old school stuff, though. I mean, that's well, that's what I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> um. So, what do we know about the spite revenants? They're crazy. Um, you know the, the Alarial song. The only song that they ever hear is the song of war. So none of the other songs they don't under, they don't hear them and they don't understand them. They only hear the song of war. They only show up when the war songs are sung. Nobody wants to be close to them because they don't know if whatever has made them like that is contagious. Because nobody knows what where they come from, so they don't know if they were just other like mutated. Yeah, or? other other forest spirits who were infected and became outcasts or what. So nobody wants. Which is why when when those when a war song is called and you got all those people coming, the outcasts sort of just hang out at the edges and wait till the fight starts and then just jump in because nobody really wants them there. Um, it says that their song is less of a war song and more of a cacophony of horror and hate fit to drive mortal minds beyond the brink of sanity. And their butchery is shocking even to other Sylvaneth. So it's like, oh, gr- Great. They're crazy, they're violent, and nobody knows where they come from, and people are afraid to be near them. That's not a recipe for good things to happen. Nope, not a bit, but that's what it is. Uh, let's see, and finally we've got Draka Hamadreth. Um, she named herself their regent. She decided to go be the person who's the king of the outcasts. 
Um, this is Drake up from the end times, too. This is the cool thing. This is the seed. Alario waited all this time to plant her soul seed because she was worried what she might do. She remembers Drake from before, the angry, bitter, violent um, branch wraith who hated everyone who wasn't a tree spirit. And Alario was right. <laughs> um but she plants her now because she feels she is a necessary darkness and that keeping her imprisoned has somehow weakened her children. So denying this sort of darkness, denying this this portion of them has made them weaker. Um, <laughs> Draca was planted in a hateful chasm with hopes she would be born strong. She is malice given form, torn between rage and depression. She hates all of those not of the Sylvaneth. So once again, so you take an already angry forest spirit and then plant them in a chasm of hate. Who thought this was a good idea? Uh, apparently, Alariel did. She okay, thought it would well, make she her needs strong. to be smacked. <laughs> well, you can smack her. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> well, that. No. Outcasts and other disaffected clans flock to her, and in battle, they rip through enemies and friends alike. Alario was forced to name her outcast as she was simply uncontrollable. So she was, Alario is the one who cast her out because in battle, if you got near her, she just killed you. Like once she got the fight going. Well, we know how where one outcast came from then. Yeah, she killed everybody, but it didn't matter who you were. Kind of nutty. Um, she is still loyal to Alario, but she acts like she is queen of the outcasts. She doesn't differentiate between any non-Sylvaneth races. So if you're, you're, you're either Sylvaneth or you're not. She has fought alongside some of the non-Sylvaneth races when it serves the purpose. So she has fought alongside Stormcasts. She has fought alongside Orcs and Goblins, I believe. Um, Oryx, I should say, Oryx and, and Grodz. So basically when... Ilariel tells her to. Or when there's something that has to get done and they're fighting against them as well, she'll fight with them. But that doesn't make them friends or a team or anything like that. Uh, and it says here, Draca seeks only the total dominion of the Sylvaneth over the mortal realms and she will fight however and whenever she feels she must until that end is achieved. So she, and, and, and you see her and she grew and like Alario was not expecting it because you see the 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 branch witch or the branch wraith, but she pops out and she's like basically inside almost a tree lord's body. It looks like she's wearing a tree lord's body. It's like she's in like a power suit. Yeah, like the like Ripley from Aliens. Yeah, or like that Grey Knight model that's inside the power suit. Or like every Space Marine ever. Well, no, because it's even bigger than that. Because it's like just not power armor. This is more like it's just huge. It's pretty cool, though. She's wearing somebody else's skin. <laughs> That's I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I like it. I think it's I think it's pretty great. Um, at first, I wasn't certain about the model, but the more I see it, the more pictures I see of it, the more I like it. Um, her face is a little odd. That's the only part of the model that I, I'm questioning. I'm just, I'm excited for this. I am very excited for this, uh, the way this, this sort of, this model's going. So that's it. That's everybody. That's all the different races. That's sort of their their histories and their seasons. So then we get three quick stories, 
and three sets of battle plans in here. All right, the first one is talking about purging the taint. Alariel's back. She ain't happy. She's going to fight along her allies when there's a common cause, but they follow the tide of life. Uh, and this is why people think that the Sylvaneth are sort of a little weird and not not really constant, you know? Um, because they're not. Well, because they're fighting for the Sylvaneth and they will not risk their soul pods for yeah, their allies. Well, yeah. It's, it reminds you of the Fire Slayers and their, their willingness to fight, you know, for anyone as long as they're getting the, the right type of gold. And nobody else quite understands what the, 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 it doesn't seem like they have a rhyme or reason to what they're doing. Uh, it makes sense, complete sense to the Fire Slayers. Everybody else is confused. Here but it that makes works. Complete then, so. sense, but here it makes complete sense to the Sylvaneth. Everybody else is confused. Um, you get a cool bit of a, uh, a time of war thing coming here in the book. This is a great bit. The places of power. This places of power thing is basically um, they're always seeking places of power buried away. At the start of the game, roll a dice, subtracting one if there are any chaos units on the battlefield. This is the level of the awakening. At the start of each battle round, after determining which player will take the first turn, look at the table below and roll a dice as long as there is at least one Sylvaneth unit on the battlefield. Add the roll to the current level. So every turn you keep adding up your dice and adding more dice and adding more, you know, more one die but adding the rolls together. And as you're doing this, the the woods start awakening and you can basically start healing wounds to your to your units, which is super nice. Yeah. Uh, and it works with the fluff. As, healing as, is better than not healing. As the forest awakens, the forest spirits get stronger. Totally makes sense. Um, if you win major victories in the fly, in the fight, they have uh, bonuses for your general that you could play in the next round as well. Um, it's a pretty cool. It's a pretty cool um, thing. One of the things that can happen is that chaos can actually reverse. The process. If you're playing this and you're playing against chaos, chaos wizards know a spell, and if they cast the spell, they uh, decrease the awakening level by one or by D three if they roll high enough. So they can they can keep knocking. Down. You're adding a D six every turn, but they can cast a spell to knock it down anywhere from one to three every turn. So they can which is really cool. Game. Yeah, I mean it's it's really it's put together if you're playing a chaos against them because especially with Nurgle, Nurgle is trying to corrupt the land. So uh, the time of war I think is really set up pretty well. It's set up in favor I think of the Sylvaneth, obviously because they're getting a d six. Well, yeah, they're getting a d six every turn, um, whereas the uh, you know the chaos team can only remove up to d th- up to three. Yeah. But still, it's, you know, it's, it's this awakening. Um, well, given that the Sylvaneth are just giving you a free spell, whatever. <laughs> well, the thing is, the the Sylvaneth also have the exact opposite spell, the Rite of Awakening, where they can increase it by D3. So everyone's, I mean, basically... It's 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 all balanced out, but it's it's it is this. Like I said, it's it's the Sylvaneth book. They're gonna get if you're fighting in the land of of Gyran when Illyrial's awakened. Over the things course of the happen. turns, things are gonna start growing. 
So we get through that and we get to the first scenario. We'll do the first scenario and then we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and do the last of the scenarios. I, then I know you we're going to um we're going to start talking uh more scrolls and 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 things like that. Um this first one is a top of the it, the story is called the top of the great stump and it's this area uh okay, typical it's a typical story. I mean, you were reading it, we both said it. All these stories are pretty similar. Uh, pla- yeah. yeah, Plague Lord Glurbtrot is attacking the Great Stump. Okay, can we appreciate that that guy's name is Glurbtrop? Glurbtrot, yeah. I mean, come on. They're all, I mean, they're Nurgle. Everyone's got a name that sounds like you're choking on something or something is, is bursting. Um, Plague Lord Glurbtrop is attacking the Great Stump, uh, but the... Uh, the Sylvaneth are there, and with Alario's rebirth, they're really strong, and they just whoop his butt. And that's basically what happens. Uh, and what happens? They're fighting, and things aren't going as great as they want to, uh, but they change their war song to a different song, and they change it to a rebirth song, and all the soul pods there suddenly awaken. And he's surrounded by just way more enemies than he had any expectation to be fighting, and they all awaken, and they kill him. Yup. Basically. Um, Why are they Superman? I, was that? I don't know. I don't sound like Superman. Uh, so the uh, this first scenario is uh, about waking up the the groves. This is an interesting. It's kind. It's way unbalanced. It is a cool scenario, but this is way unbalanced. Okay. Um, it's a scenario. It's cool. You're, you're each starting at the narrow ends of your board. Okay, so you got the the four foot end of your board, and you can go two foot in. Then there's a one foot no man's land, and then the intruders' territory is basically the other half of the board. Okay, um, and then they put in um, a bunch of uh, forests on the intruder side. And um, those are considered like soul pod groves. And so at the end of the movement phase, you roll a dice for each soul pod grove and you add two to the result for each Sylvaneth unit within three inches. And on a seven or more, that grove hears the spirit song for the first time and it's awakened for the rest of the battle. And then you treat it like a Sylvaneth Wildwood. Um, Which is nice. Yep. And then they start getting reinforcements after the second hero round. Roll a dice. If the result is higher than the number of units you have on the battlefield, you can add units. Um, which is, is good because basically um, the Sylvaneth, uh, you don't set up too many in the beginning. Yeah, you set up three units. Which so, is... Not a lot. No, you set up three units and you're moving out. So you roll a dice uh, starting on round two, and you know as long as it's higher than the number of units they have, you can add one unit. It could be a unit that was already killed or a new unit, so you're just basically adding in, bringing in more units. Which is nice, but that means you have a max of what, six? Um, Yeah, basically. You'll have a max of six on at any time. Uh, you play the battle for five rounds until someone has no models or um, 
or yeah, five rounds or until someone has no models. When the battle's over, the Sylvaneth player rolls the dice and add ones. One if their general is not on the battlefield. If the result is less than the number of awakened soul pod grows, they win a minor victory. Otherwise, the intruder wins a major major victory. So basically, you um, you there's four forests over there that you can awaken, and you want to awaken them all, and then you want to roll low to win a minor victory. Uh, that's the best you can do. And it's 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 actually it, it doesn't, doesn't seem like the Sylvaneth are supposed to win this one. It doesn't, but it's actually it's it's actually kind of unbalanced in their favor because you can awaken those and turn them into Sylvaneth Wildwoods as soon as you get some guys near it. And the intruder player doesn't have that much um there either. Um it's it's hard, but once you can get in there and secure those those things, it's like they give you enough bonuses where it's, it's, it's you you can do well. Um, you just have to get them and and kill them quickly. So it's tough for the Sylvaneth, but once they start awakening those 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 groves, it's an uphill battle, but it, it does get easier. Yeah. So I thought it was a cool scenario, but it is it is unbalanced. I mean, it there's nothing. This is not like something you're gonna put into your your tournament or anything like that. So, um, you know what? It's, uh, we're gonna break, and then when we come back. We'll cover the the last two uh, stories: um, one with the orcs, and one with Alariel herself uh, going in and and kicking a whole lot of heads in. So we'll be right back. Hey folks, it's Dave, and I wanted to talk to you for a minute about Battle Foam. You've all heard me talk about it before. The foam is firm, it doesn't separate from the base, they custom cut, design, make any piece of foam you want to fit any model you want. Anytime a new army comes out, within days, you've got Battle Foam cut and designed to fit those models. This isn't a game company making cases on the side. This is a carrying case company making foam and custom carrying cases to protect your army. It's what they do. It's all they do. Check it out at BattleFoam.com. Battle Foam, protecting your army. More scenarios coming at ya. More scenarios. What the scenario? Okay, Roz. What? Roz from what? Monsters Inc. Uh, what? At first. Was that who you thought I was? I don't know. What you do all sorts of weird you? stuff. Wow. Yeah, scenarios. Busta Rhymes, man. 
Thank you. There. Okay, you expected me to recognize a rapper, really? Have you met me? <laughs> I know you're pretty much as white as they come. Pretty much. I think I'm. If there was a contest, I would win. <laughs> if there was a contest, I would win. Thank you, Captain Vague. All right, we're going on to the battle for Grolnox Isle. Um, I like. There's a cute little mythology on this for the valley and the island. Um, you know, it was created out of I don't know someone stomping around or something like that. What was this? Um, oh, what is this? It's eighty. Carnath was like splashing in the puddles. Yeah, no, it was yeah, it was like some big, some uh, you know, a big. Uh, this well, ever no beast was was walking around, and and there was a. Uh, the father of Blade Willows was stabbed like a thorn into his paw so as he was walking around stomping and this thing came out and it was just if you look it looks there's like a big round area where there's a valley but then there's like looks like little claw valleys off to the side of it um but basically what it comes down to is you're you're watching this uh is that this valley is is a is a real tactical place to have and so it's constantly vied for you know by it just it keeps switching hands yeah everyone's always trying to get it um it changed has several times in the centuries um and right now it's in the hands of the oryx uh mega boss grolnuk controlled it for only a short while by the time of valerial's rebirth he and his war clan had been busy ri- raising idols to gorka morka from the rubble of nearby gastelengor city and he sent his mobs of hulking orcs rampaging far and wide across the Thunderlands. Grolnok ruled with an ironclad fist, smashing every challenge to his leadership. But what he did not realize was that the ruins and his idols were built atop Aagdrathril's dormant realm roots. The magic of these spirit paths had, over the centuries, leaked out into the surrounding lake and created a new realm gate. A realm gate that the Sylvaneth had discovered and one they now planned to use. So, um, Ooh. yep. So they did. They used the, they, the, the you know, the, this is a great story. Uh, basically, the lake starts to bubble and shudder and shake, and all of a sudden there's this huge splash, and Draika and all of her followers come pouring out of the water onto the land and just... Which means people are going to die. Just start killing. And the Oryx see it, and the Oryx are like, hey, a fight. <laughs> and they like a fight, as you know. I, I've realized. The Oryx like a good fight. So they go rushing into battle. It's bloody. It's violent. There's people smashing heads left and right. It is a complete diversion. <laughs> Ooh. Um intriguing please go on um this is uh what's going on um she's going up there and just smashing into things drawing them all out towards her to leave the center sort of less defended so that another war grove um a little more level-headed war grove can come up and get in there and get to the realm anybody not led by draika exactly um Let's see. At the Isle's heart, Megaboss Grolnok heard the clangor of war and gave a slow, hungry grin. Rising from the metal throne of a now-dead warlord, the massive greenskin punched his lurking maw crusher across the jaw, forcing the huge beast's head down long enough to vault onto its back. 
Gronlach bellowed orders at the belligerent beast. Kicking it until, with a croaking roar, the Maw Crusher launched itself into the air and beat its wings. The Megaboss sped across the aisle toward the sound of the attack. Uh, once that happened, once he left and went after her, that's when uh, the Harvest Boon Glen came out of the lake on the other side and <laughs> started heading right for the center. Um, this is well, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yep. Um, there was a few units that were left behind to to you know just you know like the meager defenses in case anything happens. They were not ready for an entire an entire glade to be coming after them. Uh, so they start getting slaughtered. A few of the guys get to the war drums and start banging on the war drums, trying to signal everybody else that they're under attack. Grolnock hears the signal and leaves Dreyka behind, leaves that fight behind, rushes back to the center. He knows something's wrong. He gets there and sees the last of the people he left behind getting ripped apart. Well, just a few minutes too late. And then ancient uh, Lorenthal, who is the the, the one from the uh, Harvest Boon Glade, he awakens, awakens the island. The whole island he awakens it, just like from the last scenario. Yeah. Um, the existing Sylvaneth all suddenly get stronger. With the Isle awakened, with nature there awakened, they all suddenly get stronger. They're fighting faster. They're hitting harder. New Sylvaneths start arriving. And Grolnok looks around and says, Oh, I forget this. And punches his his maw crusher, Gorgrunta, in the head again, turns the head and says, Let's get out of here. And he ditches. I just love how he punches his maw crusher until it starts working. Well, the, they're they're pretty belligerent and they don't listen very well, so that's how he gets things to go. Um, here's another cool scenario that is a, another not too balanced scenario. Um, it's called "Awaken the Land." Uh, the Sylvaneth have to swarm over the barren wasteland that was once a hub of life. Um, and get through there. The overlord is basically to keep them out. His job is to keep them out. This uh, is another one. Uh, you set up sort of like a battle line, except uh, the attackers, they've got the long edge of the board, and they've got one foot. Then there's one foot of no man's land, and the uh, def- the overlord's got two feet worth of Worth of worth of defenses. Um, now here's how this works, though, um, because you've got that sort of that you know they're they're doing the diversion, and you want to get to that that piece of that area. Mm-hmm. You have to set up at least five pieces of terrain in the Overlord's territory. Um, but it can't be a wildwood. It can't be a Sylvaneth wildwood because he's cut five down five fences. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got five fences to work. Once the scenery is a ghost fence. Once, don't start. There are no ghost fences in here. What if I make it? Once the scenery has been set up, the Sylvaneth player secretly picks a terrain feature that is at least partially in the Overlord's territory and notes it on a piece of paper. That is the place of power. Uh, before setup begins, the Sylvaneth player performs the feint. Here's the fake out. He picks either the eastern or western edge of the battlefield and then sets up the third of the army that he put aside. Um, 
so that all the models are within 15 inches of that board edge. So you pick your short edge of your territory, a 12-inch you know, side, and you take a 30-year army up to a 30-year army, and you, you put it within 15 inches of that board edge before anyone sets up anything. Except that you just did. Well, that you were setting it up first. Um, the Overlord sets up their entire force then, and then the Sylvaneth player sets up the rest of his force. And then you count up the number of models in the Overlord's army because that actually has something to do with the end of the game. Um, and basically, this one's a, another fun one too. If you get the Overlord to less than a third of his starting number of models, then you got a major victory. Otherwise, the Overlord gets a major victory. Um, that's basically it. Get to Get to the terrain piece of power and start using it. Why? Because um, then kill everything. Yeah. Once per battle round, if the Sylvaneth general or wizard from the Sylvaneth army is with one inches of the place of power in their hero phase, the player can unleash the ancient power. The first time you do that, reveal the hidden location of your opponent, roll a die for each unit within five inches of the terrain piece. On a four or better, if the unit's from the Overlord's army, it takes D3 mortal wounds. If the unit's from your own army, it heals D3 wounds. Each time you unleash the power, double the range. So it starts the first turn. It just keeps blowing up. Five inches, next turn 10 inches, next turn 20 inches, next turn 40-inch radius. Um, the thing is, after he sets up the terrain, you write down what the piece is and you put it aside. So when you set up that third of your army, you could be setting up real close, so you want to rush those guys in, or you could be setting up nowhere near it. So it's like they're they're the distraction. Are should you, do I need to kill them, uh, or I don't do know. I need to not focus on them? Are they putting themselves right next to the target, hoping that I will not think that they would do something so stupid, or are they putting themselves real far away from the target, hoping that I'll chase them, and not and not and follow the rest away. of the army? Yeah. Um. Because once you get to that place of power and you got a wizard standing next to you and you start pulsing, doing D3 mortal wounds to a unit every turn and it's getting a larger and larger thing, if you can get there right away, this could be pretty devastating. Once again, not balanced, um, but it can be a really fun game, I think. This is when you and I both looked at it and you're like, I want to play this. Oh, yeah, that looks so much fun. So um, this one looks like a lot of fun, a whole lot of fun. Um, and then one last one. This one's Nature's Wrath. This is the one where Alariel breaks in. Uh, Alariel basically goes through the Hellgaze Realm Gate and goes after Korn's guys. So she goes through the Realm Gate and pops up in this in this in what in where, the part that Korn owns of 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 this of this realm. Uh, and she basically goes through there, and it looks like a, the, the, the whole piece of terrain looks like a giant, shaped like a giant skull with the realm gate at the very top of the skull, right above the eight pointed scar carved skull, you know, star carved into the forehead of this thing. Because, you know, you can't be any more heavy handed than GW. Especially corn. Or corn. Everything looks like a skull because it's corn. Um,. Skulls coming Basically, out they're, skulls. they're like, we're corn, blabble, blabble. And she's like, yeah, well, I'm a Lariel. And she just wipes them out, too. They get routed. Um, 
Now, here's how this. She not only wipes out these corn guys, and the battle goes on for days, right? They're just wiping out all these corn blood, you know, the the, the everything, the blood bound, the demons, killing all this stuff. Lots then, of stuff dies. Then as all the Sylvaneth are killing all this stuff, they get it down to the very end. It looks like they're going to wipe them out. Two greater demons shows up. Two greater demons. And Alariel and her mouth kill them both. Bless Rutro. Exactly. Um. So there you go. Alariel well, is mean, super apparently tough. Apparently, a goddess is greater than two greater demons. Oh yeah. Um. So this scenario is called the Wild Hunt. You have two command abilities. Yeah, the the Sylvaneth command ability: pick a unit within fifteen inches, and make them run away. You know. And so yes, please. Yeah, so make them run towards their their board edge if you can roll higher than their bravery. This one makes one unit immune to that. So they pick someone else, they're not running. Um this is a cool scenario too. Um this is another one though that you've got to the the Sylvaneth if they move really quickly, they start to become unstoppable. But you got to move quickly. Well, Picture this. You got the board, your six-by-four board. You start off on one of the four-foot edges, and there's six zones, and they're all one foot deep, okay? Mm -hmm. You got to build in the first zone, and then she's got to put basically about half of her army in the zones three and four and the other half in zone five and six. And basically, as you move forward, um. You can move into the next section if there's no models from the defender's army blocking it. So you'll get the first two right away. But here's the thing. If there's nobody in the territory you're in, you can run into the next territory. Uh-huh. If, let's say, I'm I'm doing the run. I'm the Sylvaneth. You've got guys in this territory. If I have models within three inches of you, which means we've been engaged in combat, mm-hmm. that unit doesn't count as being in the territory because I'm already overrunning it. Uh. So it's like you've got to get in there and wipe me out quick and have units in there that are there to stand in there that aren't engaged or that you fought so quick that you wiped me out so they're standing there unengaged without anyone within three inches. So That's once, nice. Yeah, so once the Sylvaneth start rolling... It gets hard to stop them. You've got to get in the way fast. Um, it's another one that's totally not balanced. Totally fun, though. This is another one that I cannot wait to, to try out and play. All three of these scenarios, totally unbalanced, totally no good for tournaments, totally lots of narrative fun. And regular fun. And regular fun. Lots of basement fun. So those are the the scenarios. Um as they're laid out. Um, let's get into the cool stuff, huh? Shall we? Uh, this me... wasn't the cool stuff? Oh, there's more cool stuff a-coming. The book is bringing us something here that we haven't seen in any of the other battle tomes, and I'm kind of excited about this. Uh, I think you were too. The Allegiance Abilities. Oh, my goodness. Basically, you know, the whole idea that you can pick and choose from any... You could Basically, I mean, the rules say you could put any models you want together. 
uh, most people at least force you to choose from a a a, a an alliance because my Sylvaneth and Nurgle demons would not work together. Right. So most people have said you've got to at least keep within chaos and order and destruction and that. Hold on, let me take a sip of water here. Excuse me, I was parched. Um, Has your thirst been quenched? Oh yes, I'm feeling dandy. Thank you for asking. Now, they said there's special abilities for Sylvaneth armies, and it explains here, and I'm going to read this. It talks about allegiance, okay? Every unit in War Scroll Battalion in Age of Sigmar owes allegiance to one of the Grand Alliances. Order, chaos, death, or destruction. Many units have and battalions also have more specific allegiances. For example, Stormcast Eternals or Sylvaneth. If all the units and War Scroll Battalions in your army are Sylvaneth, then it has a Sylvaneth allegiance. An army with the Sylvaneth Allegiance, sometimes known as a Sylvaneth Army, can use the potent allegiance abilities on the following pages. When your army qualifies for more than one allegiance, i.e. all of the units are Sylvaneth and Order, you must choose which allegiance your army will be before each game. These restrictions aside, you can use allegiance abilities whenever you play your games of Warhammer Age of Sigmar. So you can choose if you're going to be a Sylvaneth Army or an Order Army. But if you decide to be a Sylvaneth army and keep all Sylvaneth stuff, you get these bonuses. You get battle traits, you get command traits, you get artifacts, um, and there's some really cool stuff here. Um, you were excited about this too. Uh, you want to talk about the battle traits? Yes, a lot. Okay. <laughs> If you have a Sylvaneth Allegiance in your army, you get the following abilities. Wildwood Groves. After all pieces of uh, scenery are set up, but before the battle begins and they choose territory or set up their armies, you can place one Sylvaneth Wildwood anywhere on the battlefield that is more than one inch from any other piece of scenery. So if you're a Sylvaneth, a pure Sylvaneth army, you get to place an extra Wildwood after all the other terrain. Which is good. Okay. Forest Spirits. Instead of setting up a Sylvaneth unit or battalion, you can put it to a side and say it's set up as part of your army in a hidden enclave. In any of your movement phases, you can transport that unit or battalion to the battlefield. When you do, set it up so all models are within three inches of a Wildwood and more than nine inches from an enemy model, and that's their movement. So you can just basically keep them off the board and bring them in whenever you want during any one of your um, movement phases. It's like deep striking. Well, it's got to be near the Wildwood. That's the one rule. And more than nine inches from your enemies. As long as you can do that, you can bring these guys down anywhere. That's pretty nice. But here's the crazy one is the navigate the realm routes. Okay. If a Sylvaneth unit is within three inches of a Wildwood at the start of the movement phase, you can traverse the spirit paths instead of moving normally. Uh, if it does so, remove it from the battlefield and set it up with three inches of a different Sylvaneth Wildwood, more than nine inches from any enemy models. Then roll a dice and consult the table below. So basically, <laughs> if you're a pure Sylvaneth army and you're within three inches of a Wildwood and there's another Wildwood on the table, rather than moving normally, you can just pick them up and move them over to the other Wildwood as long as they're... With more than nine inches from the enemy. 
isn't teleporting a really cool thing? Yeah. I mean, remember we talked about that cool idea with how they're kind of flickering in and out between the areas? Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. That's exactly what they're doing. Now, after that, you roll a dice. If you roll a one, then you can do nothing else for the rest of the turn. Okay. Which is not fun. No, so you get the movement, but then you're done for your turn. Two through five, you're done, but you can't move anymore. So your your movement is done. You cannot move further during the movement phase. So you're done moving. Um, if you roll a six or higher, the unit found a hidden pathway and has arrived at its destination ahead of time. The unit can move again during the movement phase. Does that mean like they can get their whole movement? Yes. Or? Yeah, you can. Move. It doesn't count. It you don't count as having moved yet, basically. Nice. So on a two through five, you've that that counts as your movement. On a six, it doesn't. So you can jump through the trees and then actually move and get ready to charge on a six. Oh, and uh, tree lords, tree lords, ancients, and spirits of Durthu don't have to roll a d6. They just automatically count as safe passage. So they don't get the six, but they also don't get the one. So Which is nice. Yeah. So you get to set up a Wildwood. You can move your army from Wildwood to Wildwood as your movement. And... No, no, you can, you can start off the board and just drop right into any Wildwood, and you can jump between Wildwoods and possibly even still get to move afterwards. Which is, wow. Totally fits the fluff. I mean, it totally fits story-wise. It's really good. Um, and those are all the battle traits. Then you've got your command traits, which is sort of like, now 40K's got this for your generals and stuff like this. Uh, basically... The general gets a command trait. You can just pick one or roll a dice depending on how you what you think is fair. I would assume that if you're playing in a tournament, it's probably going to be roll a dice, not just pick the thing that's best for you. That's my guess. Probably. Um, but basically, um, <laughs> and they're all pretty good. Okay. If your general uses Navigate Realm Roots, add two to the dice result. So you can never wind up in a tangled roots position, and on a four-up, you still get to move. Nice. Wow. Uh, command trait number two, uh, when you make save rolls, ignore rend unless it's two or better. So you can basically ignore rend one for Which your general. Which is nice. Uh, your general heals one wound at the start of each hero phase, or D3 if you're within three inches of a wild wood. That's, how, that's good. Yeah. Uh, Lord of Spites, you can re-roll the first failed hit roll made for your general in each phase. Wow. I'm assuming that's just one failed hit roll, so it's yeah. one die, but still. Uh, you can add one to any charge roll made for friendly Sylvaneth unit within 10 inches of your general. And the last one is all friendly Sylvaneth units within 10 inches add one to their bravery during the battle shock phase. So they're all pretty good. They're all pretty good, although uh, the healing one is really nice. I think, um, and the uh, I just I just the idea that you could you can navigate the realm routes and never get stuck. You, on a four yeah. up, you're still getting to move. Just straight up teleportation. Yeah, just jumping between the trees. This is an army that can move. I can set up whatever I want off the board and just drop them near any trees I want at any point in the game, as long as they're more than nine inches from you. And on top of that, I could just jump between the trees. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay, I got you. It's, this is just awesome, and here's where it gets even better. They got their own. They got their own magic lore. Oh yes, they did. Yeah. Any wizard in a Sylvaneth army knows an additional spell from the Deepwood lore. 
great. Uh, they've got Throne of Vines, Regrowth, Verdant Blessing, Dwellers Below, Reaping, and Tree Song. Throne of Vines. It's got a casting value of five. If you cast it, you get D3 to all future castings and unbindings until they move. And you can't cast this spell again until after you've moved. So as long as you don't move from that spot. Find yourself a nice castle. Get yourself a nice newspaper. Yeah. And throne then, of Vines. Yeah. And then uh, plus D3. That, that's that's kind of huge. Um, regrowth. Cast on a cast or a friendly unit within 18 inches. One model heals D3 wounds. If the model you picked is a Sylvaneth unit, one model heals D6 wounds instead. Now, I don't know how it could not be a Sylvaneth unit. Maybe I'm missing something here, but since you have to be in a Sylvaneth... I thought you had to be in a Sylvaneth army. Well, Each wizard in a Sylvaneth army knows an additional spell known from the Deepwood lore. And if you're in a Sylvaneth army... By definition, everything in the army has to be Sylvaneth. So it says, you know, if the unit you picked is a Sylvaneth unit, one model in the unit heals back D6 wounds instead. Well, how can you pick something that's not a Sylvaneth unit to heal? I don't know, like co-op play or something? I guess so. Picks a friendly unit with an 18. I suppose if you're playing with a team and you're playing in a Sylvaneth army and they're playing... Like Stormcast. Yeah, and they're not. There's still a friendly model, even though they're not in your army. I suppose that would work. Yeah, that's the only way I can think of it. Oh, here's one: Verdant Blessing, casting value of six. You cast it. Oh, set up a new Sylvaneth Wildwood anywhere within 18 inches of the caster that's not within one inch of any other model or terrain feature. Oh yeah! Wow. I'm just gonna throw more of these trees down that I could just jump through and do all this other stuff through. Isn't being Sylvaneth quite a wonderful thing? <laughs> There's um, all enemy units within three inches suffer D3 mortal wounds. D3 wounds is D3 wounds you didn't have before. Dwellers below. Cast on a seven. If successful, pick an enemy unit within ten inches. Roll a dice for each model in the unit you picked. The unit suffers a mortal wound for each six. Not bad? No, not bad at Especially all. Especially if you can cast that continually, you know, this turn after turn on people. You could whittle down some of the tougher things. Nothing quite like an entire unit dropping down into the chasm or whatever, but. <laughs> and then finally, you've got Tree Song, uh, casting value of, six, of seven. If successfully cast, pick a wildwood within 10 inches of the caster. It is roused by magical abilities, is immediately activated, so that's where it moves and stuff. After resolving damage, roll two dice and move the Wildwood in any direction up to the distance rolled in inches. It can't move within three inches of enemy models. Any units all wholly within the Wildwood also move with it. So basically, you can you can move the Wildwood. And that Roused by Magical ability is immediately activated, which means it does wound. That's, the, that's part of the... Which is good. Yeah. Well, hold on. What is the rule, Roused by Magical... On a five or more, the forest is roused by magical energy. All units within an inch of the Wildwood suffer D3 mortal wounds, but Sylvaneth units aren't attacked. So so you can't hurt yourself. Well, if you've got a lot of trees down and suddenly there's enemy units in or near it, boom, just doing some mortal wounds. I'm doing some mortal wounds. Now, if having all these special abilities for having a pure Sylvaneth army wasn't enough of a bonus and having your own spell lore wasn't enough of the bonus... If a Sylvaneth army has any heroes, one of them can have an artifact of power. 
Declare which hero has the artifact after picking your general, and then pick the artifact of power your hero has. And they say you can pick it. Ideally, it should fit the look of the model and that stuff, or else just roll a dice and get it. If it's a wizard, they can also have an arcane treasure. Yeah. So <laughs> we were rolling through this, and you're just like, wow, this is so good. I'm just going through this going, wow, this is just this harkens back to the old game, and it's like nobody's got this yet, and I'm now wondering who's going to start getting this stuff. Hopefully nobody. All right, let's see. Because <laughs> you want to play this army. Yeah. Okay. So heroes. Uh, what are the six uh, artifacts you could get? Uh, day Reaper. Pick one of the hero's melee weapons to be the Reaper. When making attacks with this weapon, any wound rolls of six have rend of four. Yeah. Things die. Yeah. So, you know, pick this for... If you have something that's... Especially that has a lot of attacks. Any two wound rolls of six... Suddenly, rend four. That means a two-up save becomes a six-up save. And a three-up save, anything three-up or worse automatically wounds. That's great. You can have uh, plus one to save rolls. Opponent, minus one to hit rolls against that character. Uh, The first time you lose its last wound, you get D3 wounds back. Subtract one from the bravery of all enemies within 10 inches or roll a dice each time the bearer suffers an unsaved wound on a six, the wound is ignored. Now, some of those are not as good as others. The, the, the six of ward save is not as great. I know a lot of people like that. When I lose my last wound, I get a few wounds back. I just try not to lose my last wound. I'll take a different artifact personally. Yeah, not taking your last wound is a good thing. But... um. Yeah, suddenly you can just give that to one of your uh, heroes or your general. Just, oh, look, I'm getting a bonus thing because I'm all Sylvaneth. Oh, and if you're a wizard, you can take different things. Uh, You can try these. Uh, Once per game in the hero phase, set up a new Wildwood anywhere within five inches of the bear. So you can already have the abilities to set up Wildwoods, and if you have a wizard, that could be his talisman. Oh, yeah, I could just, once in the game, I can just set another one up. Which is really good. Uh, what else? you just have that spell that just makes a wildwood or whatever. Uh, another arcane item lets you know tree spell. Uh, a tree song, which we already talked about, um, as well as any other spells. Then there's Moonstone of the Hidden Ways, and I just love all the names of these because these are the names of some of the old items. And they still sound cool. Um once per game, instead of moving the bear in the movement phase, remove them from the battlefield and place them anywhere more than four inches from any enemy models. So not nine inches, four inches minimum. Just boom, he's gone. Where'd he go? He's over there now. That's great. Which is another awesome. Wow. Yeah, another awesome. You know, moving around their their movement is. Uh, if you're in a pinch and you're gonna die, poop <laughs> gone. Renu's Lamentiri. So his Lamentiri. Add one to all casting rolls made for the bearer of the Lamentiri. If they attempt to cast a spell from the deep spell, a uh, deepwood spell lore, add two to their casting roll. So that's great. Plus one to cast, plus two if it's from the deepwood lore. Uh, what else? Once per game, instead of unbinding a spell, you can send forth a Hagbane Spite to attack the caster. After resolving the spell's effects, the caster automatically takes D6, D3 wounds. So once per game, you can just give D3 wounds to anyone throwing magic around. Nice. Well, you know, that's where it's not bad if you manage to wound it a little bit, but it's not quite dead. It's like, oh, here. Oh, did you just cast <laughs> Now magic? it's actually done. Yeah. 
And then the last one, uh, add six inches to the maximum range of every spell that the wearer knows. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if you if you know a couple of two, three spells, now they all have an extra six inches to their range. That's kind of cool. And that's it. That's everything that you, that's all the special stuff. That's a lot of special things. It's a lot of special items, special abilities, all by keeping a pure army. Which is something that you Just might want to do it. anyway. Well, because yeah. Because they're cool. Well, and they have enough entries where they can take a pretty full rounded army, much more than, say, the Fire Slayer's book or. Which has like six units. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got. It's got, I think, three units and nine character units. So, I'll average that. Three guys on a magma droth, three guys not on the magma droth, three other guys, and then three units. I think three units might be more, but I didn't think it was much more. That's three, yeah. So, that's everything. Now, that's everything in the book up until we get to battalions and war scrolls, which we're going to come and talk about that um, as soon as we come back. That'll be the last big segment and then we will wrap up this review coverage. And oh look, it's only been two hours or two and a half, no, almost three. I can't even count time anymore. I'm losing my mind. All it's right. not even midnight, great. Oh, that's a good thing. It's only barely 11. That's good. All right. And let's, you're already uh, losing your mind. <laughs> what, what, at midnight my brain doesn't turn into a pumpkin? Shut up. So... All right, folks. You never know. <laughs> no, I do know. My brain does not turn into a pumpkin. Do you think you would remember that if your brain was a pumpkin? You got a point there. Ha. Logic. Oh, no. My brain going to turn into a pumpkin. I hate you. Oh, man. you. It's, oh, we'll be back. Dullen Hall let loose a bone-shattering roar as he swung his mighty blade through the enemy ranks. Broken auric corpses sailed through the air, flung away by the spirit of Durthu's titanic swing. To his left and right, Odinwool and Maeslayer were fighting just as furiously, stamping, kicking, and smashing enemies into bloody paste. Not a single auric would get past them to defile the life well clearing. His brothers fought as he did, thought Dolan Hall, with the legend of Dorothy at the forefront of their minds. That mythic figure had been a loyal companion to the Everqueen in the days before days, and her faithful warrior unto the ending of the world. He was the strength behind Dolan Hall's every mighty swing, as he was to all the sons of Dorothy. They strove always to be worthy of his name and prove that they deserved to bear his mantle. With every auric he crushed, smashed, or sliced apart, Dolenhall reflected upon the fact that, though no one knew what had become of their ancestor, every spirit of Durthu held themselves accountable to his judgment. They would not be found wanting. All right, all right. Now we're to the meat and the potatoes.
Tatas, the part that everyone's waiting for, the Battle Scrolls. And Harrison. Wow. And okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great googly boogly. Hey, folks, we have been joined by none other than Midwest leading, um, you know, uh, tournament organizer for AOS, Alex Gonzalez. Alex, thanks for coming over and joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. This is awesome. So, um,. Yeah, Alex uh, came by, and we've been we playing out some some scenarios from some books and doing some playing today. And uh, I said, "Hey, listen, we're going to be doing this part here. Me and Harrison are going to start talking uh, actual stuff actu- we have to do, actual <laughs> war scrolls." Uh, and uh, Alex is going to jump in and, and chit chat with us on this part. Um, and I'm so glad because as we were talking a little bit off the air, uh, you know, I love Harrison. He's my son, but he gets nervous and this is like his second time as a co-host and mm. he doesn't really want to chime in too much or say too much. So I've spent the last two and a half hours like trying to push all the cool parts of the book and, and he's he, saying, yeah, <laughs> I think the big thing is, and as the listeners have gotten this and as we've read it, this is a much thicker battle tome contact or content-wise, not just, like, backstory and background, but rules, mechanics, battalions, formations, and then the Wargroves, too, and then all these new war scrolls. So it's a ton to <laughs> press through. This thing's 146 pages. I yeah, mean, this that's is substantial. Huge. I've read books that are shorter than that, like yeah. real books for class. It's 146 pages. It's got about a dozen war scrolls in it. Uh, wait, two, four, seven, eleven. It's got eleven war scrolls plus the wildwood. Uh, some of it's new. Um, we're gonna see. It's got six battalions, and then it's got uh, six or seven war groves, like the whole grove coming in, plus all the fluff, plus those new rules that we just cranked through. Not too much commentary on them. Just trying to let people know what's in it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, you were, you know, you, now, uh, Alex got here and he heard like, he got here while we were recording that last segment of the fluff and then we sort of rolled into what's coming on. What'd you think of all the, of like, because you were able to flip through this as before we were talking about it. Um, this whole allegiance thing, if you take a pure army, it's something that's a little easier to do for Sylvaneth, uh, Seraphon, and a few others. But actually saying go from a collection of miniatures to a definitive army is something that we've not been able to do yet. And with the new match play that this plays into, it makes a huge difference in giving flavor and context to the army, not just a random collection of miniatures. Yeah. Well, I mean, it also makes sense fluff-wise because of how... The Sylvaneth really just don't like anybody else. They're allies of convenience and common goal, where having an entire army of Sylvaneth just makes more sense. That's true. I mean, they, well, they will fight with their enemies. They prefer to... They're, they're fighting for their reason. And without any of those other guys there, I suppose that the that that life energy and those 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 things would work... I mm-hmm. guess more easily without the interference of other beings, other races around messing it, monkeying it up. Yeah, and the other thing you'll notice, especially with the spells and the items and stuff like that, is that they're for your characters. So 
we switched over to AOS from 8th and 7th and previous editions, a lot of these are carryover magic items. Death's Reaper. Oh, yeah. And a few other things are just straight up carryovers. But the big thing is that you're adding more individuality to your army without being, you know, that power combo stuff that we saw at the tail end of 8th. Right, and one of the things I don't know if I mentioned, um, first of all, you can't give any of these special artifacts or anything to named characters. Um, where is it? What's it saying here? Uh, Alarial and Drica, uh cannot have command a command trait or an artifact of power, so they can't even have a command trait. No, they, they have get, their stock abilities, which is fine. These are named I mean, characters. Got a ton of abilities. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, they still get the battle traits. It doesn't say they don't get that. So, the right. you know, the, the ability, the you know, but battle traits are for, like, the whole army. Getting the extra Wildwood, mm-hmm. getting to navigate the Wildwood, and, roll sure. the, you know, that's all normal. Um, they don't need all those other extra things. They really don't. But you no. want them because they're cool. <laughs> I mean, that, it would be awesome for Alarial to have the Reaper on the Beetle. I get it. But she's already... She's a goddess enough. She doesn't need the Reaper. <laughs> exactly. Um, and even with the spell lore, we recognize the names and stuff like that, simplified versions of those spells. Uh, and it's just basically, it's just if you have a wizard in the army, they know the extra spell. They a don't, they don't get to cast an extra spell. It's right. not an extra spell to cast. They just, so on top of Arcane Bolt... And uh, it, Mystic uh, Shield, Mystic Shield, and whatever else they get, they get one of these as well. Yeah, um, especially if you have wizards that can only cast one spell. Throne of Vines is useless unless you never plan on moving them. Correct. And then you know? there are some things that will actually play to that. Right. There are, um, and there are things that can go together. I do like how a lot of this plays to the fluff, though. They're really doing a good job of writing. Um, you know, a lot of place an extra tree, being able to jump through the trees more quickly. This whole concept of them just flicking through and, and moving all around and using that movement. That um, isn't inherently built in. Because right. most of this stuff, as we'll talk about, is movement five to seven. It just kind of depends on what it is. Right. So this adds that unseen mobility similar to the Stormcast, except it's terrain dependent. Right. Yeah, and it's so. I mean, if but the not, terrain can change around so much, it's especially with this army, and as we'll talk about with certain things, there's a lot of terrain that you have to play with this army. Yeah, it is the only one that is actually like required to play this army effectively. Is you need to buy terrain to use, not just what's on the table. Oh yeah, you're going to be buying at least a box of the you know that what that package of three three Sylvaneth Wildwoods if you want to play this and you're going to be carrying them around with you to be dropping on the table. And mm-hmm. you're going to be winning because <laughs> that's so good. Um, you know, I mean, that Verdant Blessing is insane. You know, that that one spell on a six-up, mm-hmm. drop another Wildwood. It, you know, anywhere within 18 inches of caster and not within another, not within one inch of another model or terrain feature. So... You know, suddenly I'm dropping I'm dropping forests in the backfield, and um, dude, think about that for even some of the some of the scenarios that we've been playing where you have to get to certain places for your objectives. Mm-hmm. Eighteen inches away, boom! I drop that, and suddenly my guys can just just be there. 
Right. There's, I mean, there's some really cool little combos and fun things you could do with it. I don't know how well it would work necessarily strategy-wise. Like, if you can rely on it, um, I don't know how much necessarily uh, tournament organizers might allow because you're mm-hmm. messing with the terrain and with the way they have their, their board set up. Um, I know sitting and playing down here, I would have a blast. I would totally welcome you to come down and just start awakening half the board and trees are popping up everywhere and, you know, suddenly the guys on one are going from one end of the table to the other. This mm-hmm. is the way it's written out here. It's just it's, it's so much uh, it, fun. It, yeah, it's insane. You know, even, um, you know, the arcane treasures. And the thing is, some of them are okay. Some of them, not the greatest. It's you know? very reminiscent of the 40K army books. Because um, Eldar had a few. I used to play Eldar. Okay. Which, how I played an elf army, I don't know. But it's one of those things that some of them are useful, some of them are not, and that was just how it was. You just kind of dealt with it. I, none of them are useless. It's just they're, you know, it's like, well, you know, this is a little better, you know? Yeah. I, and I suppose if you had a certain build, any of these could become useful depending on the way you're building them. Um you know, six inches to the maximum range of every spell you know is a cool... Yeah, especially if you get that unlike a uh, Tree Man Ancient, which right. we'll talk about. He's the big spellcaster outside of Alarial. Right. Um, so there's just a ton of options, and even the one where if you're within three inches, you do D3 Mortal Wounds. Stuff like that on a Tree Man Ancient or a Spirit of Durthu, um, you get stuck in, and that's suddenly very, very hitty. Yeah. I also like that it's one item on one Guy. hero or wizard. It's you're not you're not tricky. You can't spend like three hundred points and you know, completely deck out your guy and make him an absolute killing machine. No, and you can't take a bunch of characters and suddenly trick them out with a bunch of things. You can pick one thing. You look at a bunch of these things and I even as I was looking, I'm like Oh, I could combo this up with this and this. And I was looking at it but as an 8th edition where you can get that power. Mm-hmm. I could mix up this item with this and this item and I could just I could I could smash and it's like, "Oh, no, wait. You get one item total on one guy." On one guy. So, it it's it's that thing that's enough to give you a bump, a boost, make it something cool, hopefully without throwing the whole game out of whack. And we'll have to see how the other books, I'm assuming, will get something like this. It just depends on where they go with it. Yeah, I mean, but here we are. I mean, what are we, five or six? I mean, okay, we've had two Stormcast books. Uh, Skaven. The Pestilence book. Yeah. So that's a Skaven book. That's a Skaven uh, book. Fire Slayers, Seraphon, Flesh Eater Quartz. That's six. Iron Jaws. Seven. So this is the eighth book, I think? Eighth? The eighth Battle Tome. Eighth or uh, Bloodbound. Oh, the Cord and Bloodbound one. That's right. That's right. That's right. So this that's is the nine. ninth. And Ever Chosen. Ten. Oh, uh, does that? Uh, yeah, I guess that. I mean, it's got three scrolls in it, but I guess it counts. It was still a battle tome. Yeah, that it is they a battle tome. Out. So this is the man, the tenth battle tome to come out this year. Tenth battle tome. And it's the first one to come out with anything like this. And now I'm wondering to see who else is going to get something like this, or is it, or is it unique? Who knows? I mean, if everybody starts getting it now, I you know it's like I you know I don't know that I want to see everybody start getting it now. This is something very cool. 
to this army. I think the command traits are going to be very common. Right. I'm not sure about the items or anything like that, because there are some things that just don't make sense to have certain items. Getting one. I, I can see, you know, I can, you know, because you're only getting one, I can almost see it popping up in every army. Uh, you know, everyone gets to have that, you know, one guy can take a special item. You know, it's just, do you start want to start seeing that plus one to hit or re-rolling ones to wound in every single book or every list, just like before, you know? Yeah. So it makes you a little nervous when I see this, but it also, it's like really cool. So I'm, that's where I'm kind of wondering where they're going with this because mm-hmm. ugh, I just so want to say, oh, I like this so much. So, you know, let's jump in and take a look at some of these uh some of these war scrolls. Um Alarial. Alarial. This Enough is, said. Yeah, this is fantastic. And I, I did I leave where are my glasses upstairs? I need my glasses. I don't know where your glasses are. Harrison, go find my glasses. Dude, I can't this is tiny type. I'm an old man. Not it's really. like a whole page. Yeah, she Oh no. She has a lot of rules condensed into one spot. Yeah, okay. So let's go get this. Uh, she's got 16 wounds, three up save. Her bravery's 10. Uh, her movement, once again, is determined upon how many wounds she's suffered. She starts off with a move of 16, though. And it's a fly move, and too. she can fly. So, ugh. Uh, the Spear of Kurnoth, his range is also dependent on the number of wounds, starting with a 30-inch range. And going to a minimum of 10. Minimum of 10. Um, and let's see. So let's look at this. So her missile weapon, the Spear of Kurnoth, it's one attack, threes by twos with two rend and d6 damage. And the variable range. Yes, starting at 30 inches, yeah. Yeah. Um. She's got this melee weapon called the Talon of Dwindling. Yeah, that's her left hand. Yeah. Four attacks, threes by fours with one damage and no rend. Um, and it says here under the rules that at the end of the combat phase, roll two dice for each model that suffered wounds from the Talon of Dwindling but was not slain. If the result exceeds the model's wound characteristics, or if you roll two sixes, the model's dead. Right. So if you wound it and you didn't kill it, roll two dice if that's more than its wound characteristics, or if you just roll a 12. Mm-hmm. So if it's something with 20 wounds and you can't possibly roll it, you can still just kill it outright. I mean, outright. it's not super odds, but it's a 1 in 36 chance to take Archeon off the table, assuming this gets through. Yeah. That's not the worst thing that could happen. Well, and it... it yeah, that's just oh, but it's something like a troll mm-hmm. or an ogre or something in that four, five, six wound range is suddenly very dead. Yeah, if uh, it's not dead if, already, if I get a wound on you and I don't kill you, you're gonna the Varengard. Yeah, five wounders. Yeah, those things that are that are super hardcore, you know, and people are afraid of. She gets a wound on it. Okay, well, now you die. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just at the end of the combat phase. So, oof. Okay, that works. Um, what else can she do here? Um, at the In each hero phase, she heals D3 wounds. 
Yeah, which is a big deal, especially on the double turn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, her her beetle, uh, he attacks with his antlers. He gets five attacks, fours by threes with two rend. He starts off doing five damage. So potential 25 wounds. Right. Uh, it drops down to one. Uh, he, there's less damage as he takes wounds. Um, you can add one to the hit rolls if the unit has five or more models. So he can actually be threes by threes. With Ren 2. With <laughs> and it's got a two-inch range. So the bug actually kicks out a lot more damage than she does, yeah. which is expected. It's this huge thing, and it says it smashes through stuff. Speaking of, yeah. it's actually got a battering ram rule. Yes. Um, the charging beetle can shake even a mighty fortress. If it ends its charge move within an inch of a terrain feature... Each other unit within or on that terrain feature takes D3 mortal wounds. And with how much terrain this army generates, this will happen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to get you, you, you're going to garrison that building? Plam. I'll just run up next to it and, and uh, I don't even have to go. I can hit the guy next to it, just end next to it, end next to the forest, end next to the thing. The only thing that it doesn't count, I suppose, is a hill, right? Because hills don't count. Hills don't count. Yeah. But this thing has a five-inch base. I'm assuming it's on the Maw Crusher base. Yeah. That is a gigantic piece. You could be near two pieces of terrain easily at the end of a move. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, what else has it got in here? Since it's got more, let's see. Uh, Alarial can summon forth healing pollens and soul seeds. Uh, she does this in the hero phase. If she does so, roll on the table below. If you wish, you can choose a result lower than the one you rolled. Okay. So yeah. So she rolls a dice on a one to three. Every Sylvaneth model within thirty inches heals D three wounds. Which is big. Cause That's the base. That is the minimum. So it you can inc- default to that every time. It also includes herself because she is within 30 inches of herself. Yep. And she's so in that. one turn, she heals 2d3 wounds. That's a big deal. Yeah. For a 16 wound model that gets better the higher it is on the chart. Uh, on a four, set up a unit of 2d6 dryads. Not bad. On a five, set up a unit of 2D6 tree revenants. Those are the half-elf-looking guys. Yeah, those are the one of the new ones. Yep. Uh, and on six, set up a tree lord. Or do anything below that. Yeah, because, yeah. this Any models you set up must be within nine inches of a lariel and not within three inches of the enemy. So if she's stuck into combat, that's, that's the beauty. You roll this, you can always just default to healing things around you. Mm-hmm. And the, I think the big thing is that it's not within three inches of an enemy. Most other summons have to be like nine or 15 or whatever away from an enemy. This is three inches. Merry Christmas. Here's a tree lord. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 kind of it's kind of crazy. Um, so oh, we haven't even gotten to her magic yet <laughs> or her command ability or her command ability. So what's her command ability? Uh, it's Gyron's Wrath. The Fury of the Reborn Everqueen knows no bounds. This is a once-per-battle ability, which is this is only the second one that we've seen. 
like this, the other one being Gordrak. Right. Um, when she does this, reroll all failed wound rolls for friendly Sylvaneth until her next hero phase. That's insane. Especially in a pure Sylvaneth army. And this is shooting, this is combat, this is... All failed wound rolls. Yep. For the whole table. For one full turn until your next hero phase. So this is potential if you go the top of one turn and go bottom of the next turn. That's potential four player turns of this. So yeah, if I go first and then you go and I win the roll and I have you go... Or if your opponent gets the double turn naturally and they want it, they're looking at potentially four turns of this. Rerolling failed wound rolls. That's awesome. It is. And the other thing that she would get would be like inspiring presence. Yeah. Because that's what all generals get. But the bravery on the Sylvaneth stuff pretty much across the board is six to seven. So that's fairly high as it is. And they don't give up points easy. So oh, this is great. This is really great. Alarial is is brutal. Yeah. She's everything that she should have been but is now finally here. Yeah. No, she is she is she is everything that she needs to be. 16 wounds and she can literally put back 2d 3 per turn. Per turn. And she has a 3 up save. Starting, yep. That's not including cover, which this army generates frequently. Although it's going to be hard to get completely in cover with the size of that base, but still, the potential's there. Um, and then that's not including her spell ability. And let's see, what kind of magic does she got? She can do three spells and three unbinds. She knows arcane bolt, mystic shield, and metamorphosis. Um. And won't she know also one one spell from... I believe so. Because that doesn't say she doesn't get to know spells. It just says she doesn't get the command abilities. So let's see. What's metamorphosis? Um, <laughs> there. Okay. So she turns them into trees. Yes. With a casting value of five, pick an enemy unit within 16 inches and roll a number of dice equal to the result of the casting roll. So if the casting roll is six, roll six dice. For each result of a four or more, the unit suffers a mortal wound. If the last model of the unit is slain, you can set up a wildwood in its place. Yeah. None of the woods can be set up within one inch of any other models or terrain features. So, <laughs> so if, you could, if you could kill off a unit with this spell, you could put another wildwood down. And this spell plays a lot with how this army works, um, especially when we talk about the Kurnoth Hunters and the Tree Revenants. There's a lot of synergy across this book, and she is a very big piece of that. This is this is such a cool set of rules. I mean, this is this 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 is another. I know I was freaking out about just the universal love of the orc. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, when it came out, not just even the, the book, just the Iron Jaws, but the models and everything when people were, were freaking out about it. This is going, people are going to go nuts over this, I'm thinking. The fluff is great. The models are great. Mm-hmm. And these, these war scrolls 
I mean, I've already read most of them, and this is this is you know she's obviously you know the queen and the top dog here. People are going to love playing. I mean, this is going to be fun to play. Right. And it'll be interesting to play against, even if you're... I mean, this is going to be hard stuff to bring to tournaments, because it, this is going to be... For sure. I mean, not only that, but it's going it, to... This is going to be... Uh, these are going to take a long time to play these games. Yeah. Lots it, of rules to get used to. Lots of rules to explain to the player who doesn't play this army. Lots of placing of, of extra terrain. Lots of extra things happening. But man, down here in the crypt, just sitting around with us playing, I... This is, dude, how much fun would this be? Especially if you do like Nick Gash versus Alarial. Oh, yeah. I was just thinking, even if if, if not Nick Gash, just take Manfred and a bunch of zombies and some necromancers. Mm-hmm. I'm regrowing my undead. Or seriously, even the Nurgle stuff. Nurgle really against this, this Alarial armies, just, you know, the Nurgle stuff that just doesn't want to die against her just growing everything around it. This is, these, these be some epic, epic battles. Right. This is really cool stuff. Yeah, and it won't take a lot anymore to get that epic feeling now. No. No, you don't even need a huge army. It's just when you get a, a good set of you know six or seven units and a couple of trees down, and suddenly everything's popping everywhere around you Yeah, during the movement phase. And if you can get a couple of decent rolls where they, move, they pop out of the trees and then they can still move, it's like, oh, this is going to be good. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's jump over to Draka. Um. Okay, her movement is nine, ten wounds, another three up save, eight bravery. She's got two missile weapons and two melee weapons. Um, she only gets to pick one of these uh mi- missile weapons. Right, reading her scroll, which is unusual for a named character to have an option, because most of the other ones you're locked with what they have. She gets to pick. Even in the old game, it was just you never really had options ever, right? Unless it was like a variation of a mount or something like that. But this, she gets to pick either the flutterflies or the squirmlings to be host to. It's under her description. Yeah, she can play host either to a colony of flutterfly, uh, flitter furies, or a swarm of squir- uh, squirmlings. So let's take a look at these two things. Um, the colony, the range of the attack starts at 18 inches and drops to six, depending on the, uh, depending on the, um, the amount of wounds she's taken. Uh, and let's see when she attacks with it, roll 10 dice for each unit within the range shown on the damage table for each roll of a six, that unit takes a mortal wound. For each unit. You roll 10 dice. Right. So just imagine this visual of her sending the hive out, and it's just this massive cloud of flitter furies going and dive bombing everything. Plus, she's got a pretty big base, so she's got a nice range. You're just going to throw her into the middle of this thing, and then flip, 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 suddenly every turn, ten rolling 10 dice per unit, doing mortal wounds. The other thing of importance, it says each unit. It does not say each enemy unit. You're right. She doesn't care who she hits. That's how psycho she is. Well, and, and it actually said that in the fluff well, when it, Harrison it and I were reading it. It makes a lot of sense. When Harrison and I were reading it, it said that's why she was outcast by 
Alario because she was killing friend and foe alike. When she got into the madness of killing, if you got near her, you died. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. There are some things that are like that where we just assume it's going to hit every enemy unit, but like the Knight Heraldor for the Stormcast, when he shakes the trees with the horn, it's every unit, friend or foe. This is the same thing, but you got to figure that is a 36-inch-plus bubble of you're going to get dice rolled at you. <laughs> uh, let's see what the other one does. The other one has only a range of 10 inches. Um, uh, at her command, the squirmlings burst forth and assail nearby foes. When she attacks with a squirm, pick an enemy unit and roll a dice for each model in that unit that is within 10 inches. So this is actually a true 10 inches. So it's each model that's within 10 inches. So if you have some models that are outside the range, they're not you're not going to roll for them. For each result equals or exceeds the number shown on the damage table, the unit suffers a mortal wound. So this it starts off at a 3. Mhm. So you roll a dice for every model and on a 3 or better uh, it's a mortal wound. Once she's gotten three wounds on her, it goes up to a four. Once she's got seven wounds on her, it goes up to a five to do a mortal wound. Right. But still, ten inch... Uh, Especially when she gets to where she wants to be, which is combat. Mm-hmm. If she picks an enemy horde, even at half strength, half of them are going to die. Yeah. If they're one wound models. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. So, there you go. That's yeah. I, I don't know which one of those I'd want to play with. It's yes super. is the answer. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing wrong with either of them. It's just and then when we get to the mercurial aspect, which is the next thing with her, it's just a matter of half the time your bug is going to be better than the other bug. Because each yep. one of the bugs gets better depending on what she is. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because she goes through fits of, uh, you know, she she's basically bipolar on top of everything. Else. I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah. And this is another thing. This is this is like um, like this is one of the reasons I love to play with Manfred. The way they wrote the rules for him. It's not just says he's really good, but the way they wrote the rules for Manfred. It's very much Manfred. Like, Manfred is awesome fighting against units of, like, one wound basic soldiers. The type of people Just Manfred like wants to take murdering lots and lots and lots of people. Yeah, because that's who Manfred wants to take on. He's not as good against big, tough characters and stuff. No, he's not. He's good, and if he can get off a good roll, he'll hurt them. But he's awesome fighting against common models, you know, like grunts. Yeah. Which is in the fluff, that's who Manfred likes to go after. Just to show how bad and awesome he is. Look, I just slaughtered a whole village of peasants. I'm so tough. But did any of them have names? Did, did any of them did, did any that guy had, had a pitch more fork. Than pitchforks? Yeah. That guy had a broom, you know? <laughs> You're like, oh. That guy's got a rock. Exactly. I mean. And it, but and so you read this stuff and they, they it's it's one of the things that um and I know points are coming out, so I, I don't want to say it, but but when they don't seem to worry so much about that, when you're just, hey, look, just write the rules. Don't right. worry about that stuff. 
write the rules and make sure that the rules match the character and the feel for the character mm-hmm. when when that's your goal first which i and think foremost, it is which is what i think it is these things come out pretty cool um before we get to her mercurial aspect let's talk about her melee weapons because we've only been talking about the missiles so far mm-hmm. uh her talons uh two inch range they start off with six attacks and as she takes wounds drops down to as little as two attacks Fours by threes, one rend and two damage. Not bad. No. Uh, and then her thorned slender vines, which are the like, like the whip-looking things coming out. Two d6 attacks, four by fours, no rend and one damage. So she's pumping out a lot of attacks. Yeah, they're not super quality, but there's a lot of them. She's just—it's like the dryads in the fluff. They're. Just a ton of attacks, and eventually one of them's going to hurt you. She's just out there flailing like a maniac. She's just out there attacking anything near her. There's no, there's no strategy. There's no plan. There's it. She just sees red, and she's going to kill. And if you're near her, she she may kill you. This this will hurt a little. <laughs> so let's talk about this mercurial aspect. Um, her bouts of fury are as famous as her bouts of melancholy. At the start of each battle round, after rolling to see who takes the first turn, roll a dice. On a 1, 2, or 3, she's enraged. On a 4, 5, or 6, she's embittered. And it lasts until the end of the battle round. So her mood can change from round to round. Mm-hmm. She's sort of like, what's his name? Uh, Conrad. Oh, I was thinking of the, I was thinking of the mad... Uh, Oh, Marius Leetdorf. I was thinking of Marius Leetdorf a little bit, too. All these people with, with, uh, with, with mental Very disorders. Very violent temperaments. Yeah. So when she's enraged, double the number of attacks with the slashing talons. So that goes up to 12 mm-hmm. if she hasn't taken any wounds. Oh, and if she's anywhere near um, Alarial, healing D3 wounds. Um... The Flutter Furies can reroll ones. Any dice that score a one if she attacks with the Flutter Flies. So reroll any dice that score a one. So it doesn't say attacks or wounds. Just reroll any ones. With the Flutter Flies, you pick ten dice. Oh, that's right. So Okay, that's right. I so forgot. you reroll ones. So you're more likely to do a mortal wound. That's right. That's Okay, I'm sorry. I forgot that that's how that one worked. And again, that's the big bubble. That's the big bubble. So you're more likely to even wound yourself. So when she's enraged and she's attacking every single thing around her. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. That's so cool. Okay, so her slashing talons can double, and her, yeah, the flutter flurries, can, or flitter flurries, flitter furies. Gee whiz, forget about it. Who cares? There's a lot of alliteration there. <laughs> They're butterflies. They're, the butterflies, there you go. And when she's embittered, the agony invigorates her. Subtract two from the number of wounds she has lost when referring to the damage table. Oh, that's great. So that puts more attacks on her talons. Um, uh, an easier to uh, the squirmlings for the squirmlings to um to hurt you. Yeah, 
And even the Flutterflies get a better range, or Flutter Furies. I want to call them Flutterflies. Let's call them Flutterflies. Uh, um, this, yeah, the Squirmlings take delight in her spiteful melancholy, so you can reroll any dice score of a one if she attacks with the Squirmlings, too. Which is the three plus for a mortal wound on every model it touches. Right, and that three plus on a mortal wound now suddenly goes to four wounds because you subtract two from it. Mm-hmm. So you literally have to take nine wounds to get that up to a five at that point. Right. Nice. Uh, let's see, what else does she have here? Um, oh, she shares a special kinship with the outcasts, so you can reroll wound rolls of one for spite revenants when they're within ten inches of her. So it plays to that themed aspect of, yeah, of when they're near her, they're just out there and they're attacking and they're flailing and so the, and that nice... More things are dying. Rerolling ones, a lot of rerolling of ones with this too. Yes, there are. All right, and she's also got magic. She can do one spell and unbind one spell. She has Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, and Primal Terror. What's Primal Terror? You want to take this one? Sure. Uh, throwing back her head, she gives voice to a deafening scream of anguish and pain. Uh, has a casting value of six. Uh, successful roll dice for each enemy unit within ten of her, adding two to the result for each point by which it exceeds the highest bravery in that unit. The unit suffers a mortal wound. So it's roll. A, so it's one die. Uh, so it's a d six plus two. Mm-hmm. And if you exceed their bravery, it's a mortal wound. So it's a banshee scream. Yeah. It's not great, but it's a bubble again. Yeah. And you do it. And it's another thing where you're picking off a wound or two here or there, especially if you can get into your characters. Right. That's where that's where it becomes helpful. And that's Alarial and Draka, your two named characters. Um, yes. No. The, and, uh, you know, I think it's such a shame they don't get any command ab- uh, special command abilities or special they weapons. They don't need it. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> They're just too good on their own. It's insane. <laughs> it's great. Oh, so let's look. Okay, so Spirit of Durthu and the Tree Lord Ancient. They have some similarities, not many. Um, their basic similarities is that the Tree Lord Ancient and the Spirit of Durthu um, both have nine bravery, 12 wounds, a three-up save, and a five-inch move. Yeah, now these characters had rules prior to this book. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the Spirit of Durthu was Durthu, and then the Tree Lord Ancient was the Ancient. There's a couple differences on their scrolls um, that are more like subtle. So, yep. So now we got the new updated rules here, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what the difference was, so I um, don't know. With the Tree Lord Ancient in particular, the Silent Communion was not there. Um, and that's just pure and simple. On a four-up, he sets up a Wildwood. Every hero phase. Four up, here's a new tree. Wow. Wow. This is like wowie, wow, wow, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, free tree. I like trees. Yeah. And apparently the Sylphan SG2. Yeah. And then he also has a command ability, which he did not in the order book. And when it first came out. Because he can be your general now. Right. Um, 
yeah, heed the spirit song. He speaks to his kin through the spirit song, warning them of approaching dam- dangers. Until your next hero phase, you can reroll save rolls of one for Sylvaneth units within 10 inches of the Tree Lord Ancient. And again, this is not one unit. This is everybody within 10 of him. So he's got a 10-inch bubble of rerolling save rolls of one. Including himself at a three-up. Oh, boy. He's also got his he he uh he can he can only cast one spell and unbind one spell. Arcane bolt, mystic shield and awaken the wood. Um and that's a 6. Pick a wild wood within 24 inches, all enemy units within 3 inches of it suffer d3 mortal wounds. So again, another bomb situation. You set up the wild wood with communion and then awakening of the wood. Oh yeah. Well, okay, but the, the you can't set that up within three inches of any enemy models, and this has to be within three inches. So you know, you're right. So you you can't you can't drop it and use it, but you're still. Isn't there something that moves the trees? No, that was the old one. No, that doesn't do that anymore. The Sylvan doesn't tree song move the trees. Does one it? of those new spells. Let me go back and look. Maybe it did. Was did I totally say it? say that and then just forget it because I think you did I could be brainless hold on let me just double check Um, oh yeah roll two dice and move the wildwood in any direction up to the distance rolled in inches it cannot move within three inches of enemy models or other terrain features so wait a minute they put balance into this yeah holy cow Yes, they did. What? This is a well thought out book. Go figure. Mm-hmm. So you can't just drop you can't just drop a forest on them and have it attack. They're going to actually have to be near it on their own. But if you're if you're raising a tree every turn with this guy, if you're casting spells to drop trees down, eventually they're going to have nowhere to go that don't have trees. Which is sort of like the whole point of this whole thing you're fighting especially you're fighting in the realm of life um oh harris and i were talking earlier before you even got here we were going over the little you know the space timeline yeah and there was one part where they actually went into the realm and they were following the iron jaw clan Mm -hmm. uh they were going across lunarium just wrecking everything and so then (laughs) the uh the harvest boon clan was just following behind them just sowing seeds and growing for because they just ravaged everything so like well we can grow new forests here they just cleared out everything and that plays again to the fluff and to the background of the army Mm -hmm. as well as its character that they can just constantly make new life yeah so you, you might not be able to bomb everything with it but you can drop everything close enough where as soon as you move you're gonna be near something mm hmm it's just great. Um, and then they've got the spirit path. Uh, so even if you don't have a pure Sylvaneth army, they can walk between the Sylvaneth Wildwoods anyway. Right. So you get those bonuses, but this just, uh, I can just do it anyway. Yeah, was, just was, because. <laughs> I can just walk through the trees. I'm good. Um. Yeah, this is really, this is nice. Um, So the Tree Lord Ancient's got that going on. There's other stuff he's got, obviously. 
Uh, he's got the one attack missile weapon that starts off hitting on twos. It goes off to hitting on sixes depending on how many wounds he takes. Wounds on threes, one rend, D6 damage. And then he starts off with three attacks from his just, just swinging those branches, <laughs> those branch-shaped arms around. Uh, three to hit, three to wound, one rend, D6 damage. And the massive impaling talons, one attack, hitting on threes, starts with wounding on twos, goes down to fours, two rend, one damage. So this guy's no slouch either. No. And the way this army is set up, man, as we get to the battalions and stuff like that, they expect you to drop two or three of these guys on the table. Easily. And there's no reason for you not to. No, there's and, not. And and suddenly you're... I mean, two Tree Lord Ancients on the table. I mean, the only thing is you have to spend about $400 on Wildwoods. <laughs> only 400 well, I mean, I'm what thinking. What kind of a slouch are you, Dad? They're what eighty bucks for three, I think, or eighty-five bucks for three. And you can set that up in one turn. Yeah, so you're gonna need like what five of those? So yeah, it's about four hundred bucks. Eventually, you're gonna run out of room. Yeah. Eventually, <laughs> but then you learn how to play Tetris with this terrain feature of yeah. all things. Because it can't be more than it has to be at least an inch away from other terrain. Think most about of this it, stuff. You cover the whole table as much as you possibly can with Wildwoods. You can be at any point on the table at any point in the game. Yeah, theoretically. Because if the whole table is Wildwoods, you're just, I'm at this tree now. I'm over at that tree. And that'll also play, especially when we talk about uh, the spirit of Durthu and the tree revenants again. There's <sighs> just so much that this army does with the Wildwoods. Well, let's look at the spirit of Durthu then, because I like I like this. I like that they took the Durthu model, and well, we don't have Durthu anymore. Sure we do. There's a ton of them. They're all Illyrial special protectors. They have his spirit in them, because he was just sort of a maniac defender, and so they all sort of follow his lead. I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. you know what? The guys writing this book are way... There's there's some clever going on here. The Spear of Kernoth. Yeah. Also known as the Spear of Kernos. Yeah. Ironically enough, looks kind of the same. Yeah. But whatever. And she's got, and it, you know what? It's it's cool to bring that stuff over, give it enough of a change, enough of an interest where there's those similarities. Harris, another thing, like I said, before you got here, Harris and I were just talking about how, you know, the, the, the people who are the gods controlling this this realm and this magic are bringing some of this stuff thousands of years later, these bits of their memory as they're bringing this stuff through uh, and the, the similarities it has are, are, you know, it's a way to link it so you don't have to completely redo everything, mm -hmm. but you're also not bringing over. I mean, that was one of our big questions before. How are you bringing all these characters over? How do all these characters survive and get into the game? Well, guess what? They didn't. Mm hmm. But their models still did because we <laughs> were clever enough to write a way to do it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Spirit of Durthu. He's got a whole bunch of abilities, too. Uh, his missile weapon, 15-inch range, starts off with six attacks, then wounds, bring it down to two. Fours by threes, one rend, D3 damage. His melee weapons are pretty good. Three attacks, threes by threes, two rend. Uh, and his damage starts off at six and then drops down to D6. And you got to put 10 wounds on this guy before it drops down to D3. So he's he does considerable damage with his sword. He could be doing 18 damage per turn. 
just from the sword. Just from the sword. Uh, now, I mean, his talents, it's one attack, threes by twos, which could drop lower, two rend, one damage, so that's not a ton. Um, now, him and the Tree Lord and the Tree Lord Ancient have an impale rule where after you inflict a wound to a model, you roll a dice if it wasn't slain. If it exceeds the number of wounds the model has left, it is then slain. Oh, so, that's true. He's got a ton of way around killing targets. Yeah, jeez. So you get these guys down to where they've just got that one or two wounds left, and I didn't quite kill them. And then the knife goes in. Roll a dice, and if it's, you know this would be good against. I I play you know Luke. Yeah. And he likes to take what's his, who's that that maniac that, uh, oh, that Scarbrand no. or Scalthrax? No, the, not the not the big models. Um, what was the, the one the, the goofy one that used to be able to be your leader on your team and no one wanted to take him? The one um, Skyla Alfengrim. Oh, Skyla. Why? Well, because now as Skyla takes wounds, he just gets crazier and crazier and gets more and more. He's like attacks. a baby Scarbrand. Yeah, the more you wound him. The, the 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 more insane he becomes, the more damage and stuff he can do. So you run up to him and you hit him really hard trying to kill him and you take off like three quarters of his wounds and you didn't kill him. It's like playing puzzles and dragons. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. If you've played it, once you get him down to a certain uh. low percentage, they they like double and triple their attacks. But here I get you down to two or three wounds. Oh, I get to roll this dice. Mm-hmm. That was probably the best dice rolling sound effect I've ever heard. Wasn't it great? It sounded it was just like one in the box. Fantastic. But it has to be from that massive impaling of talents, which only has one attack, threes by whatever's, two rend, and does that one damage. So that has to do the wound. But if you get that wound, roll a dice. So that's the last thing you roll. Yeah, for sure. And if that does a wound and it's not the last wound. Suddenly you're going away very quickly. Yeah, because it's an impaling talon. So it's basically this big chunk of wooden tree spiking right through the person. Oh, this is oh, this is so much fun. That oh. sounds painful. Yeah, mm-hmm. Harrison wants to play this army. Harrison, I have no tree men. I can't afford to buy you any either right now. So <laughs> That's hysterical, Dad. <laughs> All right, so what else has he got? He's got a ground. I need like five. <laughs> They both have ground-shaking stomps. This is on the Tree Lord as well. Yep. Start of the combat phase. Stomp the ground. Uh, roll a die for each enemy unit within three inches of the model. On a four or more, that unit is knocked off their feet and must subtract one for all to hit rolls in that combat phase. Oh, that's nice. So anyone who's really nearby on a four up there, just minus one to hit. So not only do I have a three-up save and 12 wounds, you are now minus one to hit me. And if a Lariel happens to be around, I'm getting D3 wounds back every turn anyway. Possibly more. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So moral of the story is always take a Lariel. Uh, oh, he, he, can walk Potentially. The, he can walk the spirit paths as well. And that's common with the other two tree lords. Yep. Um, oh, and that guardian sword, the one that does three attacks and has damage six in the beginning, you get an extra D3 attacks if you're near a wildwood. Because reasons. <laughs> exactly. Because it's absolutely insane and I love it. 
all friendly Sylvaneth units within eight inches of the Spirit of Durthu in the Battleshock phase add one to their bravery mm-hmm. because he's awesome. Uh, what else does he get here? Gosh, got. I mean, the, 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 this is like a whole page of rules, and it's in small type. Harrison, like I said, I had to go get me my glasses. Uh, when the Spirit of Durthu attacks with a Verdant Blast, which is the missile weapon, you can declare he will channel his life force and intensify the power. Add two to the attacks for the rest of the turn. So six becomes eight, five becomes seven, etc. Yeah, you can add two. I'm proud of you. I can. <laughs> I went to public school. If he uses this ability, he takes D3 mortal wounds at the end of the shooting phase. But if you need to pump that extra bit of energy in there, I could see him. Yeah, he could totally do that. He'll take the D3 mortal wounds. He and got then, about heavy to win heavy. Exactly. Thank you, Harrison. And then finally, you've got Solemn Guardian. Um, they belong to no clan or glade, answering directly to the Ever Queen. They're her sworn protectors, and when she sends them to battle, they stand in defense of her chosen commanders. If an attack that targets a friendly Sylvaneth hero within six inches of a Spirit of Durthu causes a wound, roll a dice. On a four or more, the wound is inflicted on a Spirit of Durthu instead. You can make a save roll as normal. So keep these next to a Sylvaneth hero, and that three up, say, it goes on to them. That's. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. Considering that most Sylvaneth heroes have five up saves. For the little ones. Well, yeah, but I mean, the Tree Lord isn't a hero. Tree Lord Ancient and Alarial. Tree Lord Ancient and Alarial are. And Drycha are. And they all also have three up saves. Hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing says loving like an extra, you know, twelve wound bunker for your hero. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that that's great. And then, yeah, and then your little five up heroes, the little guys, they they with only five wounds, they're suddenly got a twelve bunker with three up save as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you could have several spirits of Dorothu. You could have a couple of them because that's how these battalion things go as well. Okay. Wow. Okay. You know what? We need to take. Uh, let's do the Tree Lord, just him, and then we'll take a break and come back and get through the 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 last six units here because these these characters they won't are be so well. involved. That's crazy. All right. Uh, the Tree Lord is not as good. 12 wounds with only a 6-inch move, a 6 bravery, and a 3-up save. Um, he has the ground-shaking stomp. He has the impale, and he has the spirit paths. But that's it as far as special rules go. So he can go, walk between the trees. He can shake the ground. He can impale you. But he doesn't have any of the... Uh, he can't cast magic. He has no command abilities. There's no silent communion. Um, I feel like I'm being robbed. Yeah. <laughs> Tree Lord? What a joke. All right. Uh, his missile weapon is the Strangle Root attack. 12-inch uh, range, five attacks, starting off with a two to hit. Three to wound, one ren, one damage. Not bad. Uh, his sweeping blows um, are actually exactly the same, and Massive Impaling Talons are exactly the same. As the other guys. So the only thing is he's got the strangle root attack, which is not as good as um, 
the other guy's uh, attacks. It doesn't have the range or the damage. Yeah, he does have one more sweeping blow than the Tree Lord Ancient starting. Oh, yeah, because he's younger. He can move around a little yeah. more, a little more lithe. Yeah. Float like a flutterfly, sting like a squirmling. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, folks, we'll be right back. Unique Gifts and Games in Grays Lake, Illinois is the one-stop shop for all your gaming needs. They carry anything your favorite gamer may want. Board games, collectible card games, miniature-based games, and all your hobby gaming supplies are there, as well as books, charms, incense, crystals, and other unique gifts. UGG has it all. Come into the store and ask about their frequent buyers program, or check out their gaming and events calendars in-store or online. From Tuesday night War Machine and Thursday Board Game Night to Friday Night Magic, there's always something going on at Unique Gifts and Games in Gray's Lake. Check them out on the web at uniquegg.com. And we're back. All right. Let's talk about these things. Lots of things to talk about. How many things? And you'll have things you'll want to talk about. And I will, too. Okay, neighbor. Uh, Branch witches. They are hero wizards. Um, let's see. They're different from the Banch Wraiths. Yeah, this is a brand new model. Yep. Um, these are the ones that... These are the ones with the little scythe. They're the ones who go around and um, collect the, the seeds from the, uh, from the other new models, from the Tree Revenants, when they're, when they're killed in battle, mm-hmm. collecting those parts from them. Um, so let's see. Uh, five Wounds... Seven inch move, seven bravery, five up save. Um, two inch range on her scythe, not bad. Two attacks, fours by threes, no rend, two damage. Kind of average. Then she has these bitter grubs that are with her. Uh, and they have little mandibles that they can bite with. Uh, one attack, four by four, one rend, one damage. Um, but she's not there to be. A powerhouse. She's there because um, she gets plus one to hit when she's within three inches of a forest. Of a wildwood. I mean, of a wildwood, sorry. Uh, if she's wounded in the combat phase, she makes four attacks rather than two for the rest of the phase. So she's one who you may want to wait and attack after. Mm-hmm. Uh, may not get her attacks in first because you want to get that extra attack in. Yep. Uh, especially if she's near the Wildwood. Four attacks, threes by threes damage, too, is, is not bad. Um, she can cast one spell 
Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, and Unleash the Spites. Uh, this is, uh, now let's see, her spell has a casting value of five. Summon Spites, which spiral outward to attack those who have displeased her. For each enemy unit within nine inches, roll as many dice as the result of the casting roll. For each six, it takes a mortal wound. So it's similar to the other spell we saw before. Mm-hmm. Once again, not bad. Especially, it, I mean, it, it casts on a five. So you may not, if it goes off, you may not get a ton of dice. If you get lucky and get a big roll, though, boom. I mean, what's it doing? One or two mortal wounds a turn? Yeah. But again, this is that bubble effect that's very common throughout the army. Yep. Spites just flying out everywhere, hitting all sorts of stuff, and maybe killing a thing here or two, here or there. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Just I, I, Things being dead is better than them not being dead. <laughs> well, I mean, your other options are obviously the bolt and the shield, but if you need to start clearing house and pick off stuff, especially when you get in the back line against characters, that makes a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, anytime you can get a couple of mortal wounds in on, on, on characters, and you, especially with that nine-inch bubble, there might be one or one or two mm-hmm. characters or monsters or just it's those single model units or those one or two model units where you can get in there. And, and wreck it. Yeah. Like a gun team or something from Skaven. There's just a ton of options in that bubble that you may not be able to reach otherwise. Right. I mean, especially, I mean, especially with, like I said, with, with single model units or something with a very low model count, um, if you get off a nice high roll, mm-hmm. you know, two or three sixes going against, you know, boom, you know, on a horde, two or three mortal wounds or 10 or 12 guys it's with a drop wounds in the apiece, bucket. it's a drop in a bucket. Against that single model or a couple of them with these smaller units, boom, that's suddenly, that's painful. That's something that really can hurt. Mm-hmm. So it totally, and, and I'm never, I never look mortal wounds. I never... You know, be like, eh. So what? Uh, it's it's when it's it's if you got a spell where the odds of them happening, it's like you said, with this the roll a d six and compare it to their bravery or add the two. Those it seems like a lot of times you're just not getting anything, especially with some of the high bravery targets, Seraphon, demons, undead. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Whereas here, um, it's any six is going to do it, and if you if you get a nice decent roll on the casting. You got a bunch of dice in your hand. This could really happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's see the branch wraith. Uh, one more bravery. Um, subtract one from all hit rolls made against her if she's within. So the branch witch add one to hit rolls for her if she's near it. The branch wraith minus one to hit rolls against her. So mm-hmm. sim- you know similar but not the same. Uh, she can cast one spell. She knows Rouse to Wrath. Uh, value is seven. If successfully cast, set up two D6 dryads more than three inches from the enemy and fully within a Sylvanet wild wood within 12 inches of the caster. So the Branch Wraith can just summon more dryads. And yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, between her and Illyrial, these are your summoners. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then she's. They work so well. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and it's it's dryads. I mean, let's face it, they're good. They're not that good, which we'll discuss later. But anytime still. you can throw more models on the table and just keep 
And she's also hard to hit once you add all the Wildwoods. Okay, minus one that includes shooting, which is a big deal. So Yep. Yeah, and then she's got the five up save, but you you wind up with her in a in a in a Sylvaneth Wildwood because they're everywhere at this point. So she's looking at a four up save. Yep. So not bad. No. I mean her three attacks are just pretty average, but other than that, she's pretty good. She's not meant to be a frontliner. Nope. So so let's look at the dryads because they're the one model that's still here from before, and then we'll look at the three new ones. Yep. Um, they're your one wound model, six bravery, seven inch move, five up save, uh, two inch range on their attack, which is nice for a one wound basic mm-hmm. infantry model. A two inch range is nice. Uh, two attacks, fours by fours, no rend, one damage. Very, I mean, four by four, very average. Um. Let's see, what else do you get? You get, uh, if they're within three inches of a Wildwood, minus one to hit them. So it's, once again, goes right along with the Branch Wraith, which is their leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your combat phase, you can enrapture one enemy unit within three inches of your unit. Add one to the hit rolls made for these Dryads against that unit. So they suddenly become a three by four. With a two-inch melee range, so they're attacking in two ranks generally. Yep. And when they gather in great numbers, their many twisting limbs and branches form an interlocking shield of thorns that protects them. Add one to the result of your save rolls if the unit's at least 12 models. So now they got a four-up save if there's at least 12 of them. If they're in the Wildwood, which they often are, suddenly it's a three-up save. If there's 12 of these. And then Atomistic Shield, that's a two? Yeah. Not bad for... I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be Mystic Shielding these guys. I mean, honestly... Depends what you need to do. Oh, well, I, I guess you're right. But, um, you know, a unit of 12 of these guys in, in a forest, you know, um, minus one to hit them, and you can add... Uh, you pick that unit... And suddenly you're hit. Yeah, you're hitting on threes, mm-hmm. like you said, uh, and even like in the fluff. They're not that great, but a lot of them can start to do stuff. And here they show it. Get a few more of them. It's hard to kill them, and and they're doing their thing. Uh, weakest unit in the book? Yeah, probably. But it says it in the fluff too. I mean, they were never fighters, right, Harrison? Yeah, and it just because they're the weakest in the book doesn't make them weak in general. If that makes any sense. Right. Um, so let's see what we've got here. Um, there's the tree revenants. Tree revenants are the ones that look like half elves. Uh, six bravery, five inch move, five up save, one wound. Um, five or more models, and they fight with a variety of enchanted blades. The leader can either have a protector glaive or an enchanted blade. Uh, Cyan armor with an enchanted blade makes four attacks rather than two. So if he keeps the same weapon as the rest of the unit, he gets double the attacks. If he takes the protector glaive, uh, it's basically the exact same stats as the other one. He just does two damage per wound. So you either get double the attacks or double the damage. It's just kind of a 50-50 when it boils down to it. Right. Um, Glade Banner models in, oh 
You can give this guy a this unit a banner, and then they can pile in six inches. They still have to be within three to pile in, because that's the way you trigger a pile in. But this lets them get the rest of the herd in. Right. Um, they can have way pipes instead of moving in the movement phase. A unit with way pipes can walk the spirit path. Remove it from play and set it up so that all models are within three inches of a Sylvaneth Wildwood or at the edge of the battlefield and more than nine inches from the enemy. Can we just say that again? Uh, more tree singing and teleporting? Yeah, once again, and this is if you're not a pure Sylvaneth army and you don't have that army-wide rule of just running through trees. And these guys, and it's like, a unit with way pipes can remove it from play and set it up so that it's within three inches of a Sylvaneth Wildwood or an edge of the battlefield. And more than nine inches away. Okay. Yeah. That's fine, but it's still a built-in teleport option. Yeah, and they can do it from anywhere. It doesn't, like most of the other ones, you have to be in a forest to go to another forest. Mm-hmm. Here, even if you're not, oh, I'm just standing in the from middle of anywhere nowhere. anywhere to anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm either by the trees or by a board edge. Which then becomes a long charge, but okay, I will accept that. Yeah, because you know what? I need to be on your black board edge. Mm-hmm. You know, and you talk about an army who, when you get these objectives, get your unit to the into the enemy's deployment zone. Boom, done. Yeah, I'm done. That happened. I win. Uh, let's see. What's their other ability? Um, martial memories. Um, once per phase, you can reroll a single die for this unit. This could be one of the dice you roll to see how far it charges, a hit roll, a save roll, a battle shock test, or a roll to see whether a model is slain by deadly scenery, etc. This gets saved for the battle shock. Yeah. With bravery six, you save that, reroll that one die. These guys are good. They are. They are very, very good. They're pretty cool. Um, I don't know how much damage they're going to pump out in their, you know, in their units with the rend one, damage one. Theoretically, they should pump out a fair amount. Yeah. But, boy, they can be anywhere, anytime, again. So then you get your targets of opportunity, so you get to hit the things that these things want to hit, yep. not what they're stuck with. Uh, so this is ridiculous. Uh, then there's the spite revenants, the outcasts. Um, a wound, five moves, six bravery, five up save. They're just fighting with talons and fangs. Three attacks, four by four, one damage. Um, four attacks if you're the champion. And they have two abilities. Scenery within eight inches of any spite revenants is haunted by susurrating uh, voices, which hiss threats in an unknowable tongue. Your opponent must roll two dice when taking battle shock tests from any of their units that are within three inches of such a terrain feature and use the highest die result. So <laughs> scenery within eight inches of them is affected by this. If you're within three inches of a piece of scenery that they're within eight inches of, you roll two dice on your battle shock test and take the highest because you're hearing all this crazy, insane whispering and noises. That's mm-hmm. kind of a neat little ability. It gets better. 
Uh, unbridled malice. Sprite revenants are rightly feared by, for the cruel delights they take in granting their place slow, lingering deaths. Enemy units within three inches of any Sprite revenants must subtract one from their bravery. So if you get up within three inches of that terrain feature that they're being affected by... <laughs> <laughs> this is just okay. That so could be really good. They combo hammer themselves, and then you put Dreich's Primal Terror into this play as well, which reduces, which goes against the target's bravery. Oh, so right. they're now suddenly down one. They get better when they're within ten inches of her. So again, it plays into that thematic bubble. Yeah, because oh, the, that's right. Because they are, are her outcasts. Yeah. That's nice. So you could take a whole army of hers, and they're just lowering the bravery of everything because these scary, monstrous, brutal things are coming through. Yeah, and this isn't with a battalion. No. Or a war grove. This is just them. Because they're really good. Or, because well, the, well, maybe well not really good, but... Yeah. All right, let's look at the Kurnoth Hunters, the, the, as I keep calling them, the replacement for the tree kin. Five wounds, five-inch move, seven bravery, a four-up save. Uh, three or more models in the unit. Um, some have great sores. Some have scythes. Others attack at range, losing arrows from great bows while their quivering compa- quivering companions attack nearby enemies with vicious claws. claws. So these are the ones that are set up. So you either have the sword, the scythe, or... The, the great bow. bow with the claws. Which is probably the single coolest bit that they've put out in a long time is a beetle with a scabbard built into it. Or a quiver built into it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Um, uh, all right. Let's take a look at these things. First of all, their abilities. Uh, the Tangle Thorn Thicket, at the start of either player's charge phase, they can sprout a thick weave of thorn branches. Until the end of the turn, they can't move except to pile in up to one inch, but you can roll failed, re-roll failed save rolls for them. Mm-hmm. So, oh, it's like Groot. You could just grow this extra thicket shield thing around you. They can only pile in up to one inch because they can barely move, but you can... Okay, that works. Um, if your general's a Sylvaneth hero, any hunters always count in being in range. Always count as in being in range for any command ability he uses. In addition, any Sylvaneth units within eight inches of this unit also count as being in range for any command ability the general uses. Wow. Yeah. So they hear the general's call from anywhere on the board. So a Sylvaneth hero, whatever the command ability is, can work on them, even if they're out of range, because they're never out of range. Right. And any Sylvaneth unit within eight inches of them also counts as within range. So, like, Illyrial doesn't matter. It affects the table. Um, but the Tree Lord Ancient's ability, which is you get to reroll saves of one for Sylvaneth within ten of him, Suddenly, that affects a much bigger bubble. Oh, yeah. That's all over the place. Yeah. So let's see what else they have. They have one more ability, Trampled Underfoot. At the end of the combat phase, pick an enemy unit and roll a dice for each Kurnoth Hunter from this unit that's within one inches of it. 
for a result of four or more, they take a, that enemy unit takes a mortal wound. Not bad. Why not? It's an extra dice for more mortal wounds. Exactly. A couple extra dice might get another mortal wound in. And then um, you've got their weapons. If he takes the great sword, four attacks, three by three, one ren, two damage. Not bad. If he takes the scythe, the range jumps up to two inches, three attacks, threes by threes, two rend and D3 damage. Nice. One less attack, but longer range and, and more rend. And then if you take the great bow, that great bow's got a 30-inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, one rend, D3 damage, and then three attacks from the claws, fours by fours, no rend, one damage. So... Mm-hmm. Wow, you know, you can pick whatever suits your fancy here. They're all pretty decent. Yeah. Um they're the only basic model with a with a ra- missile weapon. Yeah, except for the tree lords. Well, yeah, the tree lords and the spirit of doom, but it's just I mean just a non like a non-hero character. Mhm. Everyone, Alarial, Draka, all the tree lords have missile weapons. None of the other guys do except for this hunter. So if you want to add a little shooty shoot shoot to your Sylvaneth army, you got to shooty shoot shoot. Yeah, that's what I said. It's okay. It just, again, depends on what you want to do with the army. The army itself as a whole plays very combat based, um, especially with all the teleportation tricks this has. Right. So I just... Wow. Okay, so that's that's it. That's all the scrolls. For the models. For the models. Now, they've got all these battalions, and I don't want to go through every single battalion. This show's already been like four hours. I just want to try to go through some of this pretty quick. Because um, I want to show, I want to, I want to do this because if we go through this, then we can get to these war groves, because the entire war grove can go out on the march. So... You've got your free spirits, which is a son of Durthru and three units of Kurnoth hunters. Mm-hmm. So, and the Kurnoth hunters are a minimum of, we said, three, three models. So, three units of three plus the son of Durthru. Um, And so, in, uh, and what's their bonus? In the hero phase, you can pick either an enemy unit or a terrain feature and then move each unit from the free spirits as though it was the movement phase. They can't run. They must end their movement closer to the chosen unit or terrain feature than they were before they moved. So in the hero phase, you can move them closer to either an enemy or a piece of terrain that you pick. Mm-hmm. Nice. To get a little extra movement. Then you've got these Lords of the Clan. <laughs> the Lords of the Clan consist of a Tree Lord Ancient, because he's the head of the clan, one to three Tree Lord Ancients, because they're his you know, advisors, and one to three Tree Lords. So anywhere from three to seven Tree Lord models in this battalion. And um, their ability is in the hero phase... Roll a dice for each enemy unit within 10 inches of the head of the clan, adding one to the result for each other model from this battalion that's also within 10 inches of the enemy unit being rolled for. If the result is a 6 to a 9, that enemy takes D3 mortal wounds. If it's a 10 or more, they take D6 mortal wounds. So you pick a unit within 10 inches, and you've got 
all of these, you add one to the dice roll. So if you max this out, if you take seven tree guys, you got them all piled up over there within 10 inches, then basically on a three up, they take D6 mortal wounds in the hero phase. Of course, you're running around with seven tree men. They're probably doing a lot. You know, they probably got more things to worry about than whether or not you're doing D6 mortal this wounds. This is like that, that cherry. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations on taking tree men overkill. Throw some wounds on somebody. Um, the household, a Sylvaneth household, which as we spoke like hours ago, is like one of your basic fighting units. Um, one tree lord, a branch witch, and a unit of tree revenants. So the half elf, uh, dryad looking things, and the the branch witch, the one that can go and collect their their seeds when if they get killed. Um. Enemy units cannot retreat if they're within three inches of a household unit. In addition, units from this battalion add one of their bravery in the battle shock phase if they're within three inches of an enemy unit. So you can't run away from these guys. They won't let you, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's like, no, you're not, you're not running away. Well, like when you can just control the grasses and the dirt and the tree stuff, it's be kind of hard to run away. Exactly, exactly. Um... The Forest Folk is a branch wraith and three units of dryads. Uh, and in this, the Forest Folk can just vanish on the spirit paths. Remove all the models in the battalion and put them aside. Then set up each of the units anywhere within your territory or within three inches of a Sylvaneth Wildwood. They must be at least nine inches from the enemy and they can't move in the rest of the phase. So anywhere in your own starting territory or within a Wildwood, just take the whole... It's a branch rate and three units of dryads, but just take it all off the table and then put it back where you want it. So that works. Thanks. Appreciate that. The outcast is just three units of spite revenants because that's, well, you're not going to put Draka in the, in the battalion. Um, in your hero phase, roll two dice for each enemy unit within eight inches of at least two units from this battalion. For each point it uh, exceeds their bravery, it suffers a mortal wound. Probably the weakest of the little battalion bonuses. It's got to be near two of the three units. But they're minimum size five, and you can take a bunch of them. And then again, that plays into Trichet too. Yep. And then you have a Sylvaneth Wargrove. Okay. Now here's the Wargrove. And this is the Wargrove... Uh, it's one Lord of the Clan Battalion, so anywhere from three to seven... Tree Lords. Tree Lords. Three Household Battalions, which is a Tree Lord, a Branch with and, 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 and Tree Revenants. So that's another three Tree Lords, three Branch ra- ra- Witches, and three Tree Revenants. Three Forest Folk Battalions... And that's the dryads and the wraiths. The branch wraith and the dryads, but three of them. So that's nine units of dryads. A free spirit battalion and an outcast battalion. So you got your your outcast and then your free spirit is a son of Durthu. So you're talking minimum seven tree lords. And a son of Durthu. Oh, no. So, well, six tree lords and a son of Durthu on the board. Possibly more. Probably uh, more. Uh, if your army has the Sylvaneth Allegiance and includes a Sylvaneth Wargrove, when the Wildwood Grove's ability allows you to set up one additional Sylvaneth Wildwood, 
Oh, then then it then the ability allows you to set up an additional. So if, so basically, before you know when you could set up one, this one allows you to set up two because you're going to need it. In addition, each time one of your units uses navigates the realm roots ability, add one to the dice result. So you never get a one. So as you run through, you never get stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are the battalions. Now, that's everything. Now each single uh, of the of the different war grove or the, of the different groves, the oaken brow, the gnarl root, the heartwood. They all have their own war grove. So if that whole nation goes to war, they have a battalion. Okay? At some point, this is just overkill. This, okay, but no, okay. There's no killing like overkilling. The Oaken Brow War Grove, Oaken Brow War Grove must contain one. Now remember, the Oaken Brow is the oldest one, the, the venerable one, and they're all different here. You have to have one Lord of the Clan battalion, but it must contain two to tri- two to six tree lords instead of one to three. So you get your tree lord ruler, then two to six instead of one to three. Tree lord, uh, one to three tree lord ancients, and then two to six tree lords. So minimum of four tree lords in that Lord of the Clan battalion total. Okay, so that. Then it also may contain the following. Zero to three households, zero to three forest folks, zero to one free spirit, zero to one outcast, and any number of additional Sylvaneth units. If it contains the maximum number of battalions, it, can, it gains the mighty Wildwood ability, which was that Wargrove ability, which gets you the extra bonus. So if you max that out, you get this. By the way... Oakenbow Tree Lords and Tree Lord Ancients have a wound characteristic of 13, not 12. Sure. Um, once during the battle in your hero phase, you can replace a unit of Dryads or Tree Revenants that has been completely destroyed with an identical unit. So once during the battle, you can just replace a destroyed unit. And you get a command trait... The Oakenbrow General can have his command tr- this command trait in addition to any command ability it may already have. All friendly Sylvaneth units within 15 inches of your general in the Battleshock phase add one to their bravery. So now, if you max it out, you get the Mighty Wild. Dude, if you max it out with three households, three forest folks, a free spirit, three households? Three households. That's three more tree lords. You're, like, have, you're walking in with a minimum of seven tree lords in that army. That's the Oakenbrow. The Gnarl Roots. Each Gnarl Root Wizard also knows an extra spell. Um, yeah. Uh, and that one on a casting value of seven, you pick a friendly Sylvaneth unit within 18 inches. One model that has been slain in the battle is returned to life. Return D3 slain models if they're Dryads or Tree Revenants. Um... Oh, and and in a gnarl root because they're the they're the the you know the the knowledge gatherers, a tree lord ancient, a branch witch, or a branch is allowed to attempt to cast an extra spell in each of their hero phases. So, and they've got another list. Just cause, yeah, has to have at least one household, and then they can have zero to one lords of the clan, zero to two households, zero to three forest folk, zero to one. So, a, a lot of zero to ones. And once again, if you max out, you get that mighty Wildwood. There's one for every one of these just based on their fluff. So whatever they're like, 
um, they've gotten this bonus. The Heartwoods, um, they add one to the bravery of any Heartwood unit within six inches of a friendly unit of Kernoth Hunters. It doesn't apply to the Kernoth Hunters themselves. Um, there's stuff going on there. The Iron Bark gets something. Uh, mastercrafted weapons for the Iron Bark. You can reroll wounds of one for the Enchanted Blades, Protector Glaze, or Greenwood Size used by the Tree Revenants and the Branch Witches. So everybody's got something going on. The Dreadwood, which is the ones that mostly follow Draca, the ones that most flock to her. Uh, reroll wound rolls of one for attacks made by Spite Revenants. Um... Let's see. Roll a dice at the start of the first battle round. On a one or two, you can use the following stratagems. On a three or four, you can use two of them. On a five or six, you can use all three. Uh, a Dreadwood unit can be redeployed anywhere on the battlefield that is more than six inches from the enemy unit. And this is for the spite ones. Yeah. Um, a maximum range of enemy attacks, abilities, and spells against Dreadwood units is limited to 12 inches during the first round of battle. Up to three Dreadwood units can immediately move as if it was the movement phase. So you get all these bonuses. Um, a war grove consists of the following. One outcast battalion must have at least four to six units of spite reverence instead of three. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then you may contain the extras. So you literally can just take that one battalion and get all these bonus because that's the minimum for a deadwood war grove. But if you start taking all the extra stuff and really want to max it out and have a ridiculously large army... That's when you get the bonuses for a huge war grove. And it's this way for every one of them. Um, and all of them have it. All seven of them have their own thing where you have to have just one, one type of the battalion, but then you can take all these others and you have your free choice. And if you max it out, you get all the other bonuses. This is something that they should have done with like the empire, with the different provinces. Oh yeah, or with the different gods, which they didn't really explore until AOS dropped. Right. So it's just nice to see that this is something that's coming to fruition that should have been there before. It, but like my head's gonna pop, and I know people listening are like, "Wow, Dave just read the whole book, and we didn't get, we don't remember anything he just said." So go sorry. Get the, so go get the book. Like, there's so much here. There is so much. Here, like, the I mean, and then just all those different battalions and all those special abilities from the battalions suddenly get added to your super war grove with mm -hmm. with those extra abilities. Um, this 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 army is really just has so I mean. There's so much in it, you can't really cover it in an episode like this. Well, we just did it, and it's four and a half hours. Congratulations, me. I'm an idiot. Um, the only thing, if I was going to say there's a drawback to this book, is there are so many moving parts and special rules to it, is that even if you're playing it, mm -hmm. it's you have to have a cheat sheet. You need a very big cheat sheet. Yeah, you need a cheat blanket. You know, <laughs> it's pretty. It just has to be like they a need double a smaller sided. book. I don't know if it's a smaller book. It's just there is a lot going on with this army between the items, the spells, the command trades, the war groves, the formations. And the funny thing is, it's really not that much more than the old army books. No. Um, I mean, with the battalions and stuff, there's a lot of that. 
but you're never going to play all of that stuff. You know, you're going to pick a couple of things from it to play. It's just we're not in the past year. I'm not used to seeing this. No, we're not. I've got Archeon's book that has three total War Scrolls in it. It's got Archeon and the Varengard and the and the the and, Summoner and the Summoner. You know, um, I've got my Fire Slayer book, which I love, but it's got three units and nine characters. You know, three of these guys and then three of these guys. And those three guys also can be on Magma Droths. So it's actually six characters, mm-hmm. and then three of those get mounted, so they get a special set. This is just, I mean, it's got 11 units, lots of new units, mm-hmm. all sorts of new rules, all sorts of crazy. This blew me away. When I started reading this, I'm like, Harrison, you've got to read this. Harrison, you've got to read this. I mean, seriously. You know, the, the the kid pretty much dropped out playing halfway through 8th edition. He played once in a great while because it was just too much work to keep everything going all the time. If you didn't play often enough, you know... He you, just kind of fell out. Yeah. And then he was playing a little bit of War Machine with his friends every once in a while because they you know, keep it simple, keep it just a, a couple models. Now, the model count is down. The rules are simple. This He looked at this, and this has drawn his interest way back in, not just the models, but all the the cool funky things he can do i think it's everything i've ever wanted to do with the wood elves but it's there's no elves yeah and it's different and refreshing and it's so cool i don't know i don't know how to put it into words really and this is that same kind of thing where this is going to this of all the books that they've put out will probably be the one to draw people back because the models are gorgeous, every one of them is a home run, and then you have all of this variation and additional stuff. They did nothing wrong with this release. No, and it's just coming out just a couple weeks before the General's Handbook is going to come out. Which we thought was going to draw people back anyway. Yeah, I mean, this is... You're already seeing people who are interested, who are looking, who are coming back and saying oh you know maybe i'll maybe i'll give it a shot you know between this um the pre-order for all gates just went up um we're going to be covering that shortly you know um alex you're going to help me out with that yep um there's just there's so much cool stuff going on with this i'm really excited this the last couple of them um you know like like i said the the flesh the Flesh Eaters uh, book. The Iron Jaws. The Iron Jaws book. They've all, the fluff has been great. The stories that they're telling have been great. The scenarios have been fun to play. I'm just, uh, uh, and this especially, 150, this is, this is this, this, this is about 150 pages. This is like a Space Marine book. There's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the other books are about 80, 90 pages. Sometimes you get up to 100 pages. I've read and talked about books for my English class that have taken less time than this. Yeah. I mean, it really is. This is, this is, um, this is an actual battle tome. Oh, for sure. It's, it's brilliant. And we, you know, and, uh, wow. I don't, th- and I mean, everything that we've talked about will do this book justice to a point. But it's not going to be the same as holding it in your hand and doing this yourself. 
No, no, it hasn't. And I kind of feel bad because I tried to get, I tried to fit in as much as I could. The story was so much fun reading it. Like I, I was enjoying uh, doing the fluff and talking about the different things that are going on. Um, but I was trying to like get through that just to get to all of this. I knew all of this was still here. Yeah. And it's so much of it. And you can, the synergies that are there, you can mix and match whatever part of this you really like. You like the tree, Ben? You want to take a lot of them? Go ahead. You like Alariel? She goes with pretty much anybody. Oh, yeah. She plays with everybody. Well, I mean, I would hope so thematically that Alariel goes good with her yeah. children. You want to take Draka and the... The Spite Revenants. And the Spite Revenants and just go kind of crazy? Go with them. I, it's, you know, the, I just keep picturing, you know, taking Draka. You don't want to have Alariel too close to her, I'm thinking, even though, you know, she can heal herself. She throws that thing out and starts doing wounds to Alariel. The last thing you want to do is... And then you get Alariel looking not like, what are you doing? Exactly. What is wrong with you? Uh, and then, like I said, even in the story, just those little gaps, the time of the forgetfulness that they that they keep mentioning and and leaving us these little bits of, well, you know, there's there's so much more story to go here. And, and I think, and more than anything else, it's that feeling of, of hope that's in this story. Like, hey, they are smashing the doors down on chaos when they're running around here. And that's mm-hmm. never really happened in any GW game. Like, it's always been, hey, chaos is showing up. It's going to destroy us all. Well, I mean, they fight it back all the time, but it's always they've just managed to fight. And, and that's what they're doing now. Honestly, they're just fighting it back. But this is step towards victory. Yeah. I mean, you can't ever kill chaos. And I know I said that earlier in the show. You can't destroy them completely. This is looking like you can actually almost get the upper hand on them and just say, no, we're going to not only kick you out of the realm, but we're going to kick you out and lock you out and keep you out. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a place where you don't have to be here. And it, this, this tome made me feel that sort of for the first time uh, from all of these different tomes of the things we've read. This is the one where, yeah, Sigmar's battles are working and he's pushing them back. It's not like we're surviving against chaos. We're winning. Yeah. Alariel woke up and just said, out. And suddenly the land shook and said, no matter what kind of a stranglehold Nurgle had, it it started pushing her, them out. Um, this is just really cool. This is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and, okay. And I realize the odds of seeing a table with six or seven Sylvaneth Wildwoods on it popping up with all the stuff and having guys jumping from place to place. The odds of that happening, kind of slim. Unless Have you, you really met Brad Schwant? <laughs> okay. Go on, Dad. That's true. He was going to do a very similar to list of the jumping everywhere for bits this year, but he didn't get it painted in time. So oh, I did not know that. Yeah. He asked me, it's like, how many Wildwoods can I realistically play with? Um... I don't know, Brad. How many do you want to play with? Like two dozen. Huh? Well, I mean, <laughs> since every tree lord like can lay 30. one every turn, you could conceivably, yeah. you could potentially, I mean, it's just how many you can fit on the board, I guess, depending on the rules and how how much other terrain has the TO or your opponent put down. I mean, you know when you come over here to play, I'll throw nine or ten pieces of terrain. I like a lot of terrain. You could still have fit 
the Sylvan, I like it more. Or 12 more. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could have fit a dozen on the table. Easy. Uh, you know, now, granted, after three or four turns, either you don't have any more or you don't can't fit any more. But then suddenly it's like, okay, well, then I'm not using my time and my efforts or my spells or whatever I'm using to lay these things down. I'm now focused on doing other things. Right. You know, I've laid down a dozen trees. Now I'm just jumping between them every turn. Mm-hmm. I mean, so... There'll be a whole, whole new phase in the game of how can I maximize this space to put down more woods? Now, the only the only thing with all the jumping is that it's not like you can jump and then charge. You need that six to roll for a pure Sylvaneth army. Or a six. four. No, that's only if that general has that command ability, and then it only works for that general. Yeah, but it's even for like the Revenants... Because they can just pop out and be a nine, essentially. Yeah. Same with the spirit, with the tree lords. So, the options are there. This is a really exciting book. <laughs> I would really love to do it, except I know there will be a lot of people doing it. Oh, yeah. And I just can't jump a bandwagon right now. I'm Hey, I'm still painting what I'm painting, and I'm doing what I'm doing, and I'm not buying these, but I am excited to see other people playing them i'm excited to see other games happening um and it will be fun to play against and this is the thing where i'll jump the bandwagon i don't care whatever no shame you haven't you haven't bought a new army in four years or three years i mean yeah it's time this is more than that yeah so if 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 you've decided this is what you want to do that's totally cool with me um this is something where i'm so excited to play it i don't even if you know I'm excited to see it, even if uh, suddenly I'm getting whooped by it, not even concerned, like not worried about how am I going to defeat this. It's like, I just kind of want to see if this can actually work the way that it looks like in the book, mm-hmm. because that's really kind of neat. Yeah. So, all right. You know what? I think I think we're done. I think I think we're done gushing at this point. Uh, this Seriously, on all levels, this is a home run. The models are great. The book's great. The fluff's great. The rules are great. It's it's great. I think I think that's I think it's great. How great is it, Dad? It's so great that it it's great. And that's Can you elaborate on that? No. no. I'm just going to go with great. I'm tired and it's great. And guys, thank you for listening. Alex, thanks for coming by and helping with the end here because Harrison didn't even read all the war scrolls and I would have just read them off and it would have been horrible. Um yeah. It would have been like the first half of the Basically. show. Basically. Um <laughs> Harrison, thanks for helping me out. Next time, you're going to have to read more and take more notes so you have more to say. Who needs more notes? Not me. (laughs) And folks, thank you for listening to episode 147. Um, And uh, we hope you will be here for episode 148, where hopefully we'll be covering um, the All Gates. Mm -hmm. That's that's the hope. And... um, Until next time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant, only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you like the show, we invite you to join the Garage Hammer community by joining our forums at garagehammer.net slash forum or our Facebook page, Garage Hammer Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter. Follow David at Garage Hammer and follow Chris at Topher Chris U. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach David through david at garagehammer.net. 
You can reach me, that's Chris, through chrisu at garagehammer.net. And you can reach both of us through garagehammer at live.com. If you want to help support Garagehammer, check the support page or the show store on our website, or leave us a positive review on iTunes. Until next time, thanks for listening. Haldorn hissed in pain as the rotling's axe lopped off several of his roots. The ancient hurled a vivid bolt of life magic into his foul enemy's chest. Pus and flesh spattered in all directions, but the filthy Nurgle worshipper responded with a bullish charge, swinging his axe like a woodsman going at a great oak. Haldorn parried with graceful sweeps of his staff, but felt himself gradually being pushed back before the sheer power of this rotling's onslaught. As he fought, the spirit song rolled through Haldorm's being, a flood of emotion and melody from the violence raging all around him. Realizing that the battle hung in the balance, the ancient began a new song. His kin joined their melodies to his, twining chords of awakening and summoning into a melody that shuddered out through the nearby soul pod groves. Within moments, the silver pollen surrounding them had swirled into a firefly storm, and from that ensorcelled haze stepped fresh waves of forest spirits. With talons at the ready, these newborn Sylvaneth lunged straight into the battle. The suddenly outnumbered chaos forces fought frantically, hacking down many Sylvaneth, but one by one, they were torn apart. The rotling lord was the last to fall, sliced and hewn by tree revenants before finally being crushed beneath Haldorm's mighty roots. The tree lord ancient felt cold satisfaction as he gazed at the heaped chaos corpses. His ambush had succeeded, and the peakwood had reawakened. The great stump would belong to the Sylvaneth again soon enough. <laughs>